Can you be quiet, please? Thank you. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. There's local politics, bud. I want to shake his hand. I want to shake his hand. I want to shake his hand. Was that supposed to be funny? Get these clowns out of here. Why would they do that? Do I have any freaking game? Dude. It's a cocky bunch, man. Now live from the Pirate Radio Studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. Alrighty, welcome in to a Wednesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Clip Brock here with you inside the Pirate Radio Studios. We are coming to you today on Pirate Radio 92.7 FM in Greenville, 104.1 in Washington. We're on 1250, 930. You can find us online, PR927FM.com. And watch the show on Facebook Live and on YouTube and be a part of the show there you can chime in what's on your mind on this wednesday we got a ton of sports going on so we'll have a uh, look at the buccaneer music hall scoreboard because we got two postseason baseball games we've got one college football game we got a full slate of nba action uh, as they got underway last night with a doubleheader, the celtics beating the sixers and the warriors over the lakers and hornets begin their season tonight on the road at san antonio so a ton going on a ton to talk about because we are in side of a big game week east carolina taking on ucf starting to get that big game feel a lot of people excited about this one ucf playing for the conference championship and potentially a new year six bowl berth east carolina fighting to get to bowl eligibility and you know if you knock off ucf and cincinnati and houston and you still got a shot to potentially play in the aac championship so a lot on the line for both of these teams we'll talk about that also uh troy d back from ecu basketball media day we got some mike schwartz audio to get to as well among uh, other things including all of our guests on today's show we will talk to the voice jeff charles he'll join us coming up in a little bit uh we will also Talk to Alex Walker, formerly of WITN TV7. He is now in Orlando covering, among other things, the UCF Knights. So we'll get his take on this Knights team that will roll into Greenville on Saturday night. Patrick Mason, Daily Reflector, will join us. And also Stephen Igo, Hoist the Colors. So I want to also, a little housekeeping. We got a lot of picks to make and keep up with. But also our 10 most important Pirates list that we came up with uh, before the football season. I want to revisit that. I've got my list and I go's list. Chandler, you probably don't have your list, do you? He says he thinks so. Oh, you got it uh, documented there on the old laptop? The old lapper? Chandler Honeycutt here, right, Chandler? Hey, Clipper, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, thank yes, you for I waiting. Yes, I do believe I have it documented here. Let's see. Hmm. Chandler's top 10 Pirates hmm. on the 2022 roster. Now, I can tell you right off the bat. I don't want any spoilers yet. Spoiler alert. Oh, boy. I'm embarrassed by one. Oh, good. I can't wait to hear it. So, uh, yeah, we'll do that. Remind me to do that later on when I goes here. Uh, what we do need from you, Chandler, you are a sports guy. You are the sports guy after your Tennessee over Alabama straight up pick last week congratulations on that we got to get our upset pick in uh picks in for this uh wednesday what we do every week we pick a top 10 college football team to lose and a top 25 college football team to lose 
Uh, last week, Chandler had Alabama losing due to Tennessee and NC State losing to Syracuse, and he was the only 2-0 and competitor between uh, the three of us, myself, CJ, and Chandler. So good week for you last week, Chandler. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You are now 9-7 and seven on the year picking these picks. Myself and CJ are 8-6. and six. So... We will get rolling. CJ's not here, but he did give me his picks. Would you like to hear his first? Yeah, go ahead. He says he took the uh, the easy way out on one, which is fine. He says Alabama will defeat number 24, Mississippi State. About as easy as a money line lock you can find taking Alabama coming off a loss. No way they lose two in a row, right? No. No way. So uh, that is the pick of CJ. Also, his top 10 pick, good one in the Pac-12, which we pretty much ignore. We don't talk a lot of Pac-12, follow the Pac-12. You got a lot of teams um, up high in the rankings out of the Pac-12. Two of those will meet on Saturday. It'll be Oregon hosting undefeated UCLA. Oregon's loans loss was a blowout to Georgia. He says Oregon knocks off ucla that is his top 10 pick i agree with that pick um but my top 25 pick is a cop-out pick it's going to be clemson to beat syracuse i think yeah maybe i'm too confident in that but i feel like that's going to happen so instead of going oregon over ucla i'm going to get a little bolder with my pick and no i'm not going to colorado i'm not going to boulder but i'm getting boulder with my top 10 pick i'm going to say that k-state one loss on the year Mm -hmm. that loss was to the tulane green wave i'm gonna say tcu's playing a little ahead of their skis right now and i'm gonna say that k-state takes their purple goes into fort worth to take on tcu's purple and the purple men from manhattan get the win over tcu k-state over tcu my top 10 upset for the second straight week you're going to think that i'm crazy now i said this last week i said this last week when i said that tennessee would upset alabama at home Mm -hmm. i ended up being right way right i'm going to go with a road dog i'm going to go with a road dog that is a double digit dog i'm going to go with Dino Babers and the Syracuse Orange beating Clemson at Death Valley. You are. Uh, you might think I'm crazy. You get a little crazy. And that's probably going to ruin my record. But I like living life in the fast lane. Mm-hmm. That's my top five pick. Or, yeah, my top ten pick. Okay. Mm. You might think I'm crazy with this. I think you're getting a little cocky after your 2-0 and last week is what I think. I might need to switch this up. No. <laughs> oh, what man. happened to all that fast lane talk? Uh, all right. We're staying in the fast lane. Not switching lanes here. Memphis. Back-to-back heartbreakers. Oh, yeah. True. I, I like where you're going with this. Memphis back-to-back heartbreakers. Should have had a win against Houston at home. Had it. You go on to the road to East Carolina. Up 17 nothing early. Mm-hmm. Things are looking good. You're losing a heartbreaking four-overtime game. Yes. If you're a Memphis fan, you're upset. 
if you're a Memphis player and coach, you're damn upset. You're angry. You're looking for that win that you should have had in the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Memphis bounce, bounces back this week at Tulane on the road. I'm going with two road dogs. You are a wild man. Now, this is going to ruin me. This is probably going to put me back at 500 at 9-9. Nine and nine. But that's fine because I love looking at these games and thinking, I took the high road. I took the less, the less traveled path. The I took down. the path that nobody wants to take, that everybody is scared to take. The path of most resistance. I'm taking that path because I feel good about the pick I had last week with Tennessee. I love Syracuse beating State. Now, State with no quarterback, that's tough. Really think that Dino Babers has a really good team with his orange football program. So, I'm going to go Syracuse at Clemson. Call me crazy. And I'm going to go Memphis at Tulane. Call me crazy. I'm going TCU to lose to K-State. Clemson to beat Syracuse. Chandler is saying Syracuse will upset Clemson and that Memphis will get off the schneid and knock off Tulane. CJ has Oregon over UCLA and Alabama against Mississippi State. I would say CJ took the easiest path this week. And if he's 10-6 and six after this and on top of the standings, so be it. Good for him. All right, uh, so there are the picks. Let's get a Wednesday vibe update for East Carolina and UCF. I like that the Pirates are finally, well, and I say finally a dog. They weren't a dog against Tulane. I feel good. I feel good. I feel like this is a big game for East Carolina because you look at the Tulane game and how much of a disappointment that was. To bounce back in a four-overtime game where you, at at one point in the game, were down 17 to nothing. You come back, you fight and your fall. Your home crowd is booing. Your home crowd is booing you. You go for you go for a fake punt on fourth and twenty-two, fourth and twenty-three. Huh. You're down seventeen to nothing. The home crowd, the pirate faithful, is booing you. Boo. You fight and claw to a win that you really, really needed in a four-overtime game. What a win this would be for East Carolina to bounce back after a terrible showing at Tulane. A bounce-back win against a good Memphis program and a good bounce-back against a UCF program that's coming here with an experienced quarterback, which East Carolina also has. I think East Carolina's defense is going to match up well against this, as always, speedy UCF offense. I like the Pirates this week. My vibes were good. I'm not saying I like the Pirates in a dogfight. Now, I'm not overly confident. UCF has got a very good program with Gus Malzahn. But my vibe right now is good. I'm not scared. People might think, oh, Chandler's scared. Chandler's nervous. People are out there saying that. I've heard it. I'm not. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of no night. I was at the grocery store last night. I heard people uh, the the aisle over, and they were like, Chandler, I think Chandler's scared of UCF. Well, guess what? Those people are wrong. Hmm. I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. I like that the Pirates are back home for a second straight week. I feel like this is going to give our fans a chance to come back out in strong in a strong force. It's a blackout game. Wear your black. 
I'm already repping. You already got your black hat and your black sweatshirt. I think the crowd's going to be awesome. The vibe is good. All right. The vibe <clears throat> is good. Last week felt like a desperation, must have, gotta have it. If you don't get it, it's over type of game. And East Carolina won it. Yeah. I don't think there's as much pressure uh, for this one. Now, if you lose this game, then your must win, gotta have it is going to be Houston or. Because we're, we're, you know what? We're going to count Temple as a win. I know you shouldn't do that. Nah. But in this exercise to get to six wins, I'm counting Temple as a W. I'm counting one of BYU Cincinnati as a loss. I don't think you can win both on the road. So that leaves you with this game and with um, one of the, uh, you know, Houston, one of the BYU Cincinnati games. So you've still got opportunities opportunity to get that uh six win, but I don't I just don't feel like this is as desperate of a feel as last week was. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's what I like about it. But I think this pirate football team is going to be ready to go. They're used they just played a seven thirty game last week. They know how to prepare for it. And I think UCF might be coming in here. Could UCF be looking past east carolina perhaps they have a huge game how about homecoming cincinnati going to orlando next mm-hmm. week for a showdown everybody's making plans to have their friends and family in that's going to be either on how about abc or espn ever heard of those networks oh yeah it's going to be times. either one of those i mean we could be talking about the national game next saturday so I am hoping there is some look ahead going on from the Knights right now. And that could be very well what's going on right now. We will see coming up on Saturday. Pirates cannot, and I can I cannot repeat repeat this enough. Pirates cannot start off the game like they did last week against Memphis. Absolutely not. Pirates need to come out and punch them in the mouth early, and keep the foot on the pedal all game long alan on facebook live uh alan and i disagreed on what ecu should have done with the ball uh at the goal line late in the game on saturday night but we agree on this well it's hard not to it's an actual fact alan says ucf first real travel game their first game out of the state of florida that's right they have played at fau and every other game has been in orlando so this is the first time they're doing the whole plane bus hotel Mm -hmm. away from home that's a good factor to put in there what if you forget your blankie you know their coach doesn't know what barbecue is their coach has never seen a plate of barbecue in his life and that's sad yeah and it will play a huge factor in this game on saturday i think so too Uh, i think you're right uh alex says any thoughts on ucf getting extra couple of days of rest so and he also points out four out of the first five conference games have had more rest. Uh, folks, rest is important. Yeah, you need it. I don't get enough of it. You don't either. There's don't. not enough hours in the day. I don't either. Yeah. Rest is important. So the UCF played, what, Friday? Thursday. Oh, they played. I know they played a Wednesday game a couple of weeks ago against SMU. Let's I watched focus it. on last week, shall we? Let me focus right quick. Hold on last week yeah last week was 
actually a Thursday night game because I was at AJ's for the Humane Society event that we had, and they were playing Temple and put up a 70-burger. It was not Friday. It was Thursday. They played Thursday, Friday to rest, Saturday to rest. East Carolina was playing almost into Sunday. So, yeah, they definitely uh, got more rest. And we are banged up, just like everybody is. Everybody else is. But, man, uh, you had Jeremy Lewis being helped off the field. Miles Berry is more injured than he's letting on. Holt Naylor's is walking around on the field with his arm dangling down to his ankle. <laughs> it's, like, ripped off his body. Asking his uh, teammates to please put my arm back in place. Keaton Mitchell is fighting through an injury on the field right now that even he's though, just dealing with the pain. Even though he looked 100% last week. So, these Pirates are banged up, and you just hope they are uh, recovered and, and ready to go by Saturday night. But there's going to be uh, – they're fighting through it. They're gutting through it right now. Uh, what do you think of the game coming up on Saturday? Let us know via Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or you can give us a call, 317-1250, if you would like to chat on this Wednesday. Uh, make sure – if you are a fan of ours or if you hate us uh to give us a like on facebook and youtube subscribe as well chad moore separates himself from the rest chad is a uh he's an angel you know he's an angel among us i believe there are angels among us help me out shirley (laughs) i believe there are angels angels among among us. us you and me in our darkest hours yeah yeah all right that's the tune chandler not into it not not an angels among us guy i've never heard the song wow oh wow okay it's by 24 alabama you're 24 what is that this is not on the pop charts chandler this is uh this is church sunday school days man how about take your ass to church <laughs> i did back in the day take so, me to I church i do know some good hymns though all right are you him i am him <laughs> i am bible him <laughs> i am um, hymnal what were we talking oh chad he's the angel among us <laughs> i am him <laughs> in the arms of an that was angel. a good one clipper that was thank you sarah mclaughlin uh chad has not only liked on facebook he has liked on twitter he has also shared i mean he is the the real mvp you thought it was kevin durant's mom no nope it's chad the real mvp chandler you got nothing alan says i did say we will win three in a row to become bowl eligible one down two to go boy that is a tall task alan all right alan it's a tall ask. It's a tough, tall task and a tough ask. I thought you, I thought you said a tall ask. It's a tall That's task. That's what I thought he said, too. Tall <laughs> task, tough ask. Mm. But Alan says we can do it. You can do it! And all you need out there is one person to believe. If one person believes, that could lend itself to two and then three, four, and then we're talking about a dozen. Jack says Houston's going to try to hold the ball this game, and I think it would really work. Hashtag ball, ball control, control football. football. Let's get it trending. Hashtag ball, ball control football. football. Hashtag ball, ball control, control football. 
Uh, hold the ball. Don't get in a foot race, a shootout with UCF. That's uh, what Jack says. Win the time of possession. But we can't get too conservative. No, can't get too conservative. Can't get too conservative. Can't get too conservative, Dorney. Because, I don't know. In a perfect world, yeah, you win the time of possession 40 to 20 and you run the ball for 200 yards and and all that but i don't know ucf's gonna try to go warp speed east carolina uh i think they'll come out with a pace and we'll try to attack and and then maybe settle into to that running on first down i said it on the fifth quarter cameron called in ready to fire donnie kirkpatrick as some are and said have you really seen anything change i noticed the change in the game the other night we were running the ball pretty much every first down as we tend to do and then what second quarter second half i feel like we were throwing a lot more on first down and they were very short throws yeah setting up second and seven yeah but it was uh a little bit different than just running the ball right behind the guard a little something different yeah. but even those first down runs man you're not you want to establish that run on first down but for the pirates it's just it literally on average especially if you go back to the two lane game I mean, it's an average of what? A yard? Two yards at the most on first down runs? I mean, Billy had his stat to consider a couple of weeks ago when we had a, uh, when we played Tulane. And it's just, it's, it's not getting the job done. On All right. First well, down. what do you want to do on first down? Tell me. Well, there was a couple times last week when we were sitting there when we would pick up a first down. I'd say, go deep to Winstead here. Remember? Let's try that a couple times. Throw the bomb. Throw the bomb. Get the bomb out. Drop the bomb. You drop the bomb on me. It's incomplete. Baby. Now it's second and ten. What do you do second and ten? A little uh, little cross route over the middle. So you're just going to throw it. All right, so you might get four. So you're either looking at third and six or third and ten. What are you doing now? Hmm. Five and out. Not a five and out. You need third and six. I don't know. Go deep again. <laughs> drop the bomb again. Oh, my God. All right. Go deep. Offensive coordinator Chandler Honeycutt just led us to a three and out and took nine seconds off the clock. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not the uh, time of possession battle that we want to win there. That is not hashtag ball control football. (laughs) That is get Luke Larson in. Now we're going to do a rollout punt. It'll probably get blocked. We're down 7-0 already. All right, Coach, what are we doing? First and 10. Drop the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Three words. Drop the bomb. Yeah. All right. That's how you win football games, folks. All right. Let's um, real quick flight by Yingling practice report. As since we're talking football, the next generation of light beer, flight by Yingling. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling available wherever beer is sold. Here's something for y'all. What are you running on first down? Robert's in. First den, fake run, Y row to tight end after he chip blocks. All right, I will decipher through the madness there. Fake run, so play action, a little short one to Ryan Jones after he stays in the block. Almost like a screenish. And then uh, he catches, runs for a good seven, eight yards, second and two. Now we're in a favorable spot. There we go. All right, I love so those eight chunk plays on first down. What play are you running on first down? You want you want to stop seeing the run. So what are we doing? Give me a play. 
Robert. We're in, we're in the pistol. Play action to Keaton. Holton runs to his right. No. Runs to his right. No, run, runs to his left because he's a lefty. Man, you are. Play action to Keaton. Runs to his left. Looks to his left. But a wide open. A tight end going across the other side. Wide open. Throw it to the other side. Oh, I do love that play. Mm-hmm. I love that play, especially around the around the 15, 10. I like it around the end zone because you can just see. So everything's going to one side of the field yeah, except then, one tight except, end. Except one guy leaks out to the opposite yeah, end. And he's uh, usually just wide uh, by himself yep. in the end zone. Yep. Love that play. You want to see that from our own 25. Have him wide open around the 32, 35. Yeah. And get about 10 yards. And he catches it over. Get to the 42. Catch and run, baby. Catch and there's green grass. And like Julius Wood said last week, once I saw that green grass, I knew I had to score. I knew I had to take it to the house. House call. All right. Now we're uh, we're – Donnie, are you listening to this? Are you listening to this, Donnie? Hey, make sure – I'm not going to say that. Uh, Everybody get your play in. What do you want to see? Let us know on YouTube and on Facebook. And uh, you can give us a call, 317-1250. Let's hear from the coordinators out there. Chandler and I are dialing up some beauties here. What are you dialing up? I think we should dial up an old play that we ran a long time ago. You know, the one where Bryce Williams leaked out into the middle of the field (laughs) all by himself? Hide the tight end. Hide the tight end. Hashtag hide the tight end. I mean, we got some pretty good ones. I mean, dang, I turned around. Shane, he had already thrown the ball. I'm catching it. Yeah. I'm rumbling down the field. I should have made that. I should have made that man miss, but still a good That's what I'm saying. I mean, what? Well, we kind of, well, no, we kind of, it's totally different than that because Bryce was actually lined up as a tackle. He was like a left tackle. On that play. Right. And he leaked out into the middle of the field and he was wide well, he has to sit there and block a little, like, for just yeah. a little bit. Right, it's a delay, but yeah. I'm just saying, he leaked out into the field and nobody was covering him. I love that little play we ran to I Ryan mean, if Jones. We, if we give Holton enough time and run that play, guy like a guy like Ryan Jones or Shane Calhoun catches that ball. Talk about a South Florida clip. Was it South Florida where, where he, he fumbled? fumbled? Yeah. That was a cool play. He had nothing but green grass. And when green grass is in front of you, what do you do? You fumble. Was that similar to the call that i just had a while ago was that a play action roll to the left and then try to dump it over to the right side Nah, there wasn't that much going on it was more was it of that a simple? he was definitely uh wait he came from he was like in the slot on the left oh uh, kind of so he did come yeah. kind of to the middle of the field i guess yeah yeah josh thomas calls a hook and ladder left all right so we got we got Keaton Mitchell to Ayler's right, lined up in the shotgun. You've got CJ in the slot, Winstead, wide right. Winstead just goes to the house. He he goes out. Go deep. CJ runs uh, six, seven, eight yards, mm-hmm. uh, turns around, boom, button hook, catches it. Mm-hmm. While all that's going on, Mitchell – has crept out of the backfield. He's starting to run right. Mm. He runs right behind CJ, who flips him the ball. And then Keaton, guess what's in front of him, Chandler? Green grass. Green grass, baby. Where the green grass grows. Don't let the green grass fool you. <laughs> Do not. 
uh the old hook and ladder left on first down so we are just dialing up absolutely uh some beautiful play calls here john on youtube says stick to stick to special <laughs> teams chair man uh yeah i agree man, yeah, i'm a former long snapper so <laughs> damn y'all damn y'all flight by yingling practice report all we're hoping is that the team as they practice right now ha- have us pumping into the uh through the speakers letting them know hey donnie what do you think of these plays by the way oh, well i don't know i don't know about chairman's thing but uh uh i do like the hook and ladder a little bit but i'm all, i'm going to run the ball anyway i don't care what y'all say <laughs> i'm going to run the ball every time uh running works just uh I don't know. Be less predictable about it, but East Carolina has had success on the ground really the last two games. Good game by Keaton on Saturday, and they ran with some success uh, against the Green Wave as well. Yep. Uh, Got to have a good balance, Chandler. As a former gymnast, I can tell you that's what it's all about balance. You were a gymnast? Yeah. Sure. Expl- explain yourself. <laughs> I used to do gymnastics. Oh, really? Yeah dive into that a little bit for sure in terms of being a gymnastist uh, being a what a gymnast i uh would go out there i'd put the um powder on my hands uh-huh uh-huh and i'd do this would you swing i'd do like lebron and go. swinging dingers i'd do that then i'd get on the um pummel horse the what is that what it's called yes the pummel horse pummel horse and i would uh shake my legs around boy it's tough on the boys if you know what i mean were <laughs> they on the table it's tough on the cojones if you know what i mean and i would do that a little bit and then i'd go over to the rings and i'd do my ring thing and uh flip around little triple axle and uh yeah i was on the 92 olympic team in barcelona wait a minute how old were you then triple axle isn't that a figure skating move they thought it was until i finally broke into <laughs> gymnastics i was well you know when 11, you're 11 12 you know those gymnasts in the olympics are really young yeah, like those, like 16, those russian girls so yeah they had me out there i was actually on russia that's probably why you didn't and see on me. the girls team on oh, yeah, i was a i was on the ussr women's gymnastics team as a 12 year old <laughs> from winnable north carolina Thank you from A.G. Cox. So, yeah, that's uh, – all right, Robert's got another play. Thank you for getting out of this conversation. Josh um, Thomas brings up a play that we used to run a lot with Dwayne Harris, the Wildcat. The Wildcat. Who are you putting back there? Uh, Josiah Hatfield. Ooh, now we're talking. Throw the 8-8 eight, eight back there. Yes, sir. Huh. Okay, oh. okay. Uh, well, I think we had another one here. Up, oh, he deleted it, so we don't. Okay, find right. somebody that can throw the ball. Do the wildcat. We had Tyler Snead that could do that. Yeah, yeah. do the wildcat and then throw it downfield to mm. Isaiah. You know, we need to ask Isaiah Winstead if he can throw a football. How far he can throw one? About I mean, thirty yards. Like thirty yards, probably. I do. I can throw a football. I mean, I'm not holding nails or anything. I mean, I got an arm, don't I? uh we have not have we ran a receiver pass this year not that i know of. not that i'm aware of no nope. how about tight end screen behind the line of scrimmage to ryan jones and he lost and then he just he's oh because he does the proven commodity have an arm aaron jarman ryan jones just seems like a guy that could be an athlete like could play anything 
You know There's what I'm saying? There's another one. He's like, I mean, he's not like to his level, but he's like a Kyle Pitts. He's a tight end, but you see him as a wide receiver as well. And just as a pure athlete. Shirley, please go. Screen pass to Ryan Jones. Deep downfield pass to Holden Aylers. The old, uh, so you throw it out to Jones. Aylers leaks out on the left side. Throw Jones it down the field. It. Yep. We've seen we've Aylers done, catch. We've done it with Shane Carter. wonder how many career catches Aylers has. He, I know he has that one against Marshall. Yeah. And a touchdown. That was a touchdown. Is that it? That might be. He it. might have more, but uh, we have not. We have yet to run the receiver pass so far. Allen likes Ryan in the Wildcat, as do I. I think that would be my because he could get some tough yards in the middle, and uh, could also throw it. So we'll ask. Uh, remind us to ask that uh, next week, Chandler, to Isaiah and to Ryan about okay. throwing the football. Sounds good. Robert says line up tight, throw to wide receiver out horizontal for short gain. Who knows? Like. Maybe they're, like you said, maybe they have us on the speaker at yeah. practice right now, and maybe they'll take that into consideration, and maybe we'll see that this week. Maybe we'll see Zay throw a, uh, a pass. I think Ryan we Jones. see uh, a one big trick play after a first down, kind of around midfield, maybe between the 40s. They dial one up, see if they can What's catch them napping. Um, I think a receiver pass. I think we're due for one of those. Mm-hmm. You know what you don't see in college that you see in the pros more? The old flea flicker. Yeah, because that's more of a eye formation thing. But I guess you can hand it off in the shotgun and he run it up a couple yards and then toss it back. I think we see a, uh, a some trickeration this week for East Carolina. All right. That was uh, instead of like giving you what's happening to practice, we are telling you what ECU should be practicing on on our flight yeah, by Yankee. Because we have the credit. Practice report. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun to play, Coach. Yeah, we do. I mean, you do it when you play like Madden or NCAA football or something yeah. like that. I'm trying it in real life. Uh, the next generation of light beer. Don't raise a glass. Raise the bar. Flight by Yingling available wherever beer is sold. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll visit with the voice Jeff Charles. He'll join us on this Wednesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Got a lot more to go. Thanks for riding along with us. We'll be back after this. Listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Country Mart. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Drive a little and save a lot at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a great selection of new and pre owned vehicles, plus, offers service to, to all makes and models in a state of the art facility drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to washington chrysler dodge jeep ram on highway 264 in washington or you can go online at washington chrysler dodge jeep ram.com now let's head back in to prl here's clip all right being an offensive coordinator could be the easiest job in the world i mean we just had what a four minute break i just came up with another play and, and that would be 
Well, so you just got a first down at around, let's say, the UCF 43. We're going left to right into the boneyard. And, you know, the chain gang is kind of active and around, and there's players coming on and off the field, and ECU's going with some tempo, so things can get a little bit confusing. So what you do is you, uh, you slip Winstead out. And you slip Mason Garcia in. Put him at receiver. They'll probably notice, but what if they don't? What if they well, don't notice? What if they're looking at other things? With CJ or with Isaiah Winstead going out, they're going, oh, well, they're deep, man. The guy they usually go deep with is off. He's off the field. Or they go, there's 11, and that 10 kind of looks like an 11. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you really want this to work, make sure mason and isaiah have the same uh, accessories on gloves armbands <laughs> so they look identical mason's a big guy Sl- slip isaiah off mason's on holden uh makes a signal mason goes into uh, motion kind of gets in the slot so he's closer to holden uh cj johnson by the way is lined up out left snap mason runs behind holden pitch to mason and Mason, what does he do, Chandler? Throw the bomb. He's throwing the bomb. He's throwing the bomb, the bomb to C.J. Johnson, who's running free at about the 12-yard line at that point. Hits him in stride. Touchdown, Pirates. Place goes crazy. All the players stop, point up to uh, the section me and Chandler are in. Point up to us. Give us a wink. A salute, maybe. Uh, Isaiah's on the sideline clicking. Clicking at us. He's clicking at us. And then they show me and Chandler on the Jumbotron. We lift up our shirts. We do uh, some cool handshakes. And then we're legends forever. They show us on the Jumbotron, and everybody's going to be shocked when they see us have the headsets on. We have we the, have headsets on. The headsets on. I've got my play sheet on my you, wrist. You might have the headsets on, but you're communicating with me back here at the studio because I'm going to call a fumble ruski because it hasn't been running forever. Well, no. Well, immediately when they show us, because all the players are looking at us on the Jumbotron, we're holding up we're going, two. We're going, I'm doing like the hand signals. Because we're going for two, and Shirley's going to relay that play in. We get in the, the fumble ruski for the two-point conversion, and East Carolina takes an 8 nothing lead with 11.37 <laughs> left to go in the first quarter. <laughs> and that place, and Dowdy Ficklin is an absolute madhouse <laughs> i'm just saying did everybody out there just picture that did you get that i mean are you on board with us now oh man before that if that ha- if that play <laughs> actually happens on saturday i might pass out in section three <laughs> i might pass out i would die a happy man <laughs> if all that comes to fruition all right let's head out to the pit electric live line joining us the voice of the Pirates, Jeff Charles here on this Wednesday. Jeff, how you doing today? Cliff, I'm doing great. Getting ready for another Pirate football game. We kind of get into a routine now with these 7.30 games on Saturday night. So here we are again. Getting ready for what's going to be another big game. And thank goodness the Pirates were able to get by Memphis last week in that four-overtime game, which was pretty incredible, pretty miraculous, actually. So really keeps hopes alive now for this season. And Pirates are playing at home, and I know they'll be jacked up, and Pirate fans will too for this game with UCF. 
Yeah, Jeff, longest game in uh, East Carolina football history, and you were able to call it. And we've talked to some of the players this week. Some were aware of all the rules and the switching sides and things like that. Uh, This is the first time East Carolina's been involved in this format where you go to the automatic two-point conversions in in overtimes three and four. So were you and Kevin, uh, did you know what to expect there in OT? Were you ready to go when it began? Well, I have to admit we had to go to the rule book and uh, and check it out, uh, but uh, we were able to find the information pretty quickly. And I think it's a good rule clip because sometimes these games, even in overtimes, can go on for a long time. And pretty much now, even with the exception of that game with uh, Bowling Green in Eastern Kentucky, I think we talked about earlier in the season, I think that game went seven overtimes. Even a four-overtime game is kind of rare. So it is what it is, and... Thank goodness the Pirates were able to prevail. No doubt. And, uh, man, all I could think about was last year, Jeff, when East Carolina was able to escape the Liberty Bowl, stopping a two-point conversion. And how about it ends the same way this year at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, East Carolina's defense able to get off the field. And credit to the offense for converting a couple of two-point conversions, one to C.J. Johnson and one to Keaton Mitchell, Jeff, where uh, he had a defender between him and the end zone. And, you, you blink, and Keaton's by that man and in the end zone pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, that was an incredible play by an incredible player. And that Memphis Tiger had him lined up dead to rights, and the next thing you know, Keaton was in the end zone, as I heard Steve Shankweiler earlier this week say, it's hard enough to uh, to tackle Keaton, but it's almost impossible even to tag him. He is so quick. So, yeah, he's a remarkable player. He really is, and yeah, they're using him a little bit more now out of the backfield to catch passes, get the ball in his hands as much as, as possible. He had four catches last week. We all know what he did running the football, and he looked like the Keaton of old before the hit pointer injury. He was 100% last week, and the Pirates are going to need Keaton Mitchell and a whole lot more weapons this week against these uh, USF Knights. We talk about how fast Keaton is. Well, UCF has a number of Keaton Mitchells on their team, so when you play against these guys, Cliff, as you well know, looking down through the history of the series, they're usually the fastest team in the AAC team speed-wise. I think that's the case again this year. And in the series, the Pirates have now lost six games in a row to UCF. They have lost now eight of the last nine games to the Knights. So it's been a tough series, but welcome to the club because a lot of teams – in the American have had a hard time beating UCF in recent years as well. I asked uh, Mark Daniels yesterday, you know, how many heads are on this uh, rushing monster for UCF because they do it with the quarterback, John Rice Plumley, but also uh, a receiver in O'Keefe, and then you've got the traditional running backs. They will send a lot of guys at you uh, in this ground attack, and as you said, uh, speed all over the field. Speed all over the field, and then they had a big back, Isaiah Bowser, who's a transfer from Notre Dame. He's the big back. He's 220 pounds. And by the way, Cliff, he is from Sydney, Ohio, which is just 15 miles up the road from where I grew up. And he uh, has a lot of fans there and was a celebrated Ohio high school player. So he's a little bit different than the rest of them because he's more of a banger, although he's got pretty good speed. But you look, just like always, the receivers are really fast. The running backs are fast. The guys in the secondary can all run. They've got two really big corners. These are the biggest corners the Pirates have matched up with this year. One of them is 6'2", and the other one is 6'3". So Isaiah Winstead, as we all know, on a lot of these matchups, because he is 6'4", has been going up against 5'10", 5'11", maybe 6'0", corners. Well, 
these guys are almost looking eye to eye with him. So that's going to be interesting to watch on the Saturday as well. That was uh, one of the things, uh, that was the first thing Isaiah Winstead brought up to us when I asked, what have you seen from UCF? He mentioned tall corners and also said that they like to go man-to-man, one-on-one. He likes those matchups. We'll see if the Pirates can take advantage of those. But how about Isaiah uh, this year, Jeff, coming in uh, year one and his last year here at East Carolina, developed an early chemistry with Holton Aylers, and we've seen it every Saturday so far uh, with this ECU football team. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt, Clip. I mean, he's been terrific. Absolutely terrific. And I think everybody knew he was a good receiver coming here from Toledo. But I think he's exceeded expectations. I mean, this guy's hands are just great. All you have to do is throw it close to him. And his hands are like glue, and he's going to catch the ball. He's going to win those 50-50 battles and those matchups with corners most of the time. And so he's been he's been great. Going into the season, we talked about how would these new receivers do? And, of course, he has been great. Jalen Johnson was playing terrific early on. Now he's not been able to play here recently, so they have missed him. But the Pirates have, have been able to throw the ball and catch it, as we all know very well. Holt Naylor's percentage continues to go up. He had another outstanding game last game out, and the tight ends are good. They catch balls, too, of course, in this offense. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch uh, Isaiah Winstead and company this year. I think the Pirates are getting everything they can out of the passing game and out of their receivers, and I think maybe they've exceeded expectations a bit. I agree, and uh, man, if they didn't have so many receivers, you might think about putting Julius Wood on that side of the ball. That return, Jeff, uh, he looked like he was reliving his glory days in high school, playing receiver, running back, kick returner, whatever it was. He made three guys miss on his way to the end zone. That was really impressive. It really was, and there were some great blocks, too, that were thrown on that return, and Julius did a terrific job. He's a he's a great athlete, Clip, and he's out of Columbus, Ohio, Walnut Grove High School. They've had a good program there for years. Went to Blinn Junior College in Texas and was pretty highly recruited coming out of Blinn, but the Pirates were able to get him. Uh, I understand his parents were at the game from Ohio this past week, and so, yeah, Julius is a heck of a player, you know. He really is. He's very athletic. He's tall at 6'2 in the secondary. He's a big hitter, has a nose for the ball, and he's been a really big part of the secondary this year for the Pirates, and he's done a, he's done a great job. I think he's if he continues to play the last five games of the year like he has, I think he's an all-conference player. Talking to Jeff Charles will be on the call coming up Saturday night, East Carolina and UCF. It's, uh, it's got a big game feel to it, Jeff. So excited to uh, be with you. 3.30 on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. The Voice will join us hour number one for that one. And uh, we will get you ready for the Knights and the Pirates crucial game in the American. And uh, Jeff, how about on Saturday? You got a, a lot going on. I know you can kind of keep an eye on some other things, but maybe not fully watch it but uh alabama tennessee one of the greatest games i've ever watched uh we watched that during the pregame show you had oklahoma state and uh tcu going to double overtime you had the the mariners and the uh astros playing 18 innings saturday was was a day for the ages in sports and boy we capped it off in the right way uh with four overtimes at dowdy ficklin yeah it really was a great game of course clip i'm pretty well tied up so i don't have an opportunity to watch those baseball games or maybe every now and then have a chance to uh, peek in at a football game when we're up in the booth getting ready for a broadcast. But there were some great, great games. And that's what I think makes college football this time of the year 
so good is once you get to mid-October, you know, you have these really terrific matchups and these conference battles, and we should have those uh, through the end of the season and, then, of course, in to the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot of fun watching, and then you talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs, and unfortunately uh, the Guardians, who I was really pulling for, couldn't get it done yesterday as they lost 5-1 to one to the Yankees, and I think there will be some second-guessers out there with Terry Francona's decision to go with Aaron Savali as the starting pitcher yesterday, and he gave up that three-run bomb to Giancarlo Stanton, and that put the Guardians behind the eight ball, and they never really recovered. And the Yankees won game five and hopped on an airplane and went right down to Houston to, to play the Astros tonight in the in the ALCS. So that's going to be a very interesting series. I think the Yankees have their hands full with Houston. Houston plays so well at home, and they have had a, a terrific year. And then here are the Phillies. Uh, they're just such a great story. They lost 10 of 13 in September, and everybody thought they were done. And then they came back from that bad streak and put things together. And here in the postseason, they've been lights out. And, and Zach Wheeler was lights out last night. He throws seven innings, only gives up one hit. And Bryce Harper hits a home run. Kyle Schwarber hits a home run. Sometimes, as you well know, Cliff, watching sports over the years, teams just seem to get on a roll and they feel bulletproof. I think that's kind of the way that the Phillies feel right now. No doubt. They are uh, remind me a lot of last year's Atlanta Braves, the way they are rolling. And I've heard, Jeff, about the, the playoff format. Is there an advantage for teams that play in the wild card and uh, they, they get to keep playing instead of having those days off? And Yes, but also no, because the teams that, like the Braves, that – uh, won the division, they get to set their starters and things like that. So I've heard a lot of uh, complaining about that, especially on the Dodgers side of things, but I think it's set up fair, and uh, it's kind of just sour grapes when a team loses like that. I think you're right. I think it depends on whether you're winning or you're losing. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see about the Astros uh, tonight because they have been sitting around. And, of course, people say, well, they're rested and they've had a chance to heal up a little bit, which is true, but – Listening to Terry Francona last night, the uh, Cleveland manager, he said, if we win, I just want to go down and, and start start the, the uh, American League Championship Series just as soon as possible and play the next day. You know how baseball is. Baseball is like an everyday kind of sport. And sometimes you just get in a rhythm and you don't want to break it up with a couple of off days. So that'll be interesting to see. Now, you know, people will say, well, the Yankees are tired and they just came off an emotional series and, they had to hop on a plane and go all the way to Houston last night so they could be dead tired or emotionally they could be drained. or And that's what they'll say if they lose the game tonight. If yeah. they win, they'll say, well, they kept the momentum going and those guys were riding on a high and, and they just uh, went down there and took care of business because they're in a great rhythm. So it just depends on if you're on the winning or the losing side. Yeah, well said. Jeff Charles joining us. Great time of the sports year, NBA tipping off last night hurricanes off to a three and oh start you got the playoffs in baseball football uh here uh towards the middle of the season so uh something for everybody and uh some ecu basketball on the horizon ecu basketball media day going on today we'll have that covered here uh from pirate radio we got Minji's madness coming up next wednesday seven o'clock jeff so we'll be uh sprinkling in some ecu hoops uh talk in our conversations here on wednesdays yeah, no doubt about that, and we'll uh, talk with Coach Schwartz today. We'll talk with all the new players. As we all know, this is a new era starting for East Carolina basketball. A lot of new faces on this team. 
And it's hard to believe, but we're just right around the corner clip from basketball season. The Pirates will open November the 8th at home against Mercer. So that's not that far away. And usually in November, and I think I counted this year, I think there are either seven or eight games in November. Sometimes I think we've had as many as eight or nine games in November. So once it starts, it starts, and you run through a lot of games before you even get to uh, December the 1st. So that'll be interesting. The Pirates have a trip down to uh, Florida in a three-game tournament also coming up uh, in November. So they're going to be jumping right into the fire. And as we talk a little hoops, uh, the Hornets open up tonight at San Antonio against the Spurs, and they're going to open up without LaMelo Ball, who's out with a left ankle sprain. So it'll be interesting to see what the Hornets do this year with Steve Clifford, the former ECU assistant coach, was with a, with Bill Herring for one year as an assistant here with the Pirates. Uh, he's back for his second tenure, as you know, Clip, as the head coach of the Hornets. So we'll see what happens uh, in Charlotte this year with the NBA team. Yeah, uh, they had a tumultuous offseason, to say the least, and went winless in the preseason. So my expectations are uh, pretty low for the uh, the Bugs this year in, uh, in Charlotte, but we'll see what happens. They take on Pop and the Spurs tonight to open up their season. Jeff, always enjoy the chat. Thanks for joining us today. We'll uh, see you Saturday in the Pirate Radio studios on the Bud Light pregame tailgate, and we'll hear from you also Friday on the UBE Pirate Preview. So big week lies ahead. Yeah, big week coming up, Cliff. Always enjoy it. Thanks so much, and we'll see you this weekend. Jeff Charles joining us on the Pit Electric Live line on this Wednesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up hour number one, get you set for hour two on this Wednesday. Back with more after this. You're listening to Hour 1 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Country Mart. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations, in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Camp Garden is your uh, premium CBD retailer in eastern North Carolina. Find yourself having anxiety or in need of extra sleep support? Camp Garden has a variety of Delta 8 and Delta 9 products that can assist with those issues. If If you're unable to stop by the store don't worry give them a call today at 413-6100 for a consultation and they'll ship right to your door hemp garden located at 3040 south evans street in the target shopping center in greenville now let's head back in to prl here's clip all right uh let's get people up to date on what's going on currently in the world of sports and then we'll have to take another break and then we'll get to alex walker and patrick mason here hour two of Pirate Radio Live, Stephen Igo coming up at five o'clock. Did just see uh, that we just tweeted out on our Pirate Radio account. Uh, looks like the midfield logo getting an overhaul, and it's going to look like my uh, hoodie that I'm wearing today, which is black with a white skull in it, and they're going to go uh, all black on the logo, and it's going to look cool on uh, national TV coming up on saturday night when the pirates take on ucf great sports night tonight so uh the phillies win game one over the padres uh and bryce harper homer in that how about bryce harper or juan soto going to the world series chandler so you'll see a former nat in the world series this year yeah and uh good for them bryce Har- uh, juan soto's already been there 
Bryce Harper has not. The year just after he left D.C. is when the Nationals went on to win the World Series. So either one of them in the World Series, congratulations. But uh, let Bryce Harper get a shot, I guess. I've kind of calmed down on Bryce Harper as a uh, Braves fan and a Harper hater. I wanted him. I I thought it was hilarious that he left and then the team won the World Series. Yeah. And the Phillies stunk. Still not a fan, obviously, but uh, I've softened on him a little bit over the years, I got to say. Game two coming up, 435. So we'll have that one on in about 30 minutes here inside the Pirate Radio studios. Tonight, game one. That's right. Quick turnaround. The Yankees took care of the Guardians last night. They immediately uh, head into game one of the ALCS as they take on the Houston Astros coming up 737 on TBS. So we'll have that tonight at Sports Trivia. We'll have college football as Georgia State takes on Appalachian State. That at 730 on ESPN2. And we'll see if we can find a TV to put the uh, lowly Hornets on. And the Hornets should be pretty bad this year. But when I saw that they were road favorites against San Antonio, it really raised my eyebrows about what the heck's going on with the Spurs. Uh, That line has now moved to even. So it's dropped a full two points in the last uh, day. But still, for the Hornets to be a pick them on the road, shows you how far that uh, Pop and the Spurs have fallen. Yeah, uh, winning those championships just a few years back. And now, I mean, you can – my roommate sent me their roster yesterday and i can only name like two or three players and one of the players is the only reason i know him is because he was on my fantasy team last year so their point guard their starting point guard is former duke player uh trey jones that's one of the guys that i know zach collins is not even a starter he's a on the bench gonzaga he went to to gonzaga he's been hurt a lot in his career good player mm -hmm. uh national tv games Knicks at grizzlies followed up by mavericks at suns so those are the uh television games tonight as we throw a little nba into the mix quick uh hurricanes update they are three and oh do they play tonight they do not so they'll be back on the ice coming up on thursday night mm, yes at edmonton nine o'clock they still undefeated they are three and oh on the awesome. year so canes off to a great start um go ahead i was just gonna say i can't wait to hop on the bandwagon whenever playoffs come yeah, but uh, if that gets here, but a good start for the Canes so far. Yeah, always fun uh, during playoff time. It is a long, long season. Uh, NBA and NHL kind of feels like they just wrapped up. And MLB, were we talking about it with Bryce yesterday about how many games these players play? <laughs> yeah, and only a few games that some of these players miss. There's, you know, some players that have played all 162 plus games. Well, there are two Chandler, and those players are Matt Olson and also and uh, Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson. Yeah. Only two players to play all one hundred and they're both on the game. They are. Wow. And they're both out of the playoffs. Because oh, they wow. lost to the Phillies. Gross. <laughs> all right. There is your update on the Buccaneer Music Hall scoreboard presented by the Buck. The Buck. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Alex Walker will join us, our old buddy, formerly of WITN seven, now down in Orlando. We'll talk some UCF football and more when we return. Hour two, Pirate Radio Live, back with you after this.
You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour brought to you by Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 264 in Washington at WashingtonChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. The best place in Greenville to unwind after work and have fun is A.J. McMurphy's. A.J.'s has daily food and drink specials and an awesome patio, perfect for some outdoor dining. There's something for everyone every weeknight, including Sports Trivia on Wednesdays with our very own Clip Rock. AJ's has live music every Friday and Saturday with no cover and brunch every Sunday. Make today an AJ's day. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Rock. Looking forward to a fun night. Great sports night. Great sports trivia night at AJ McMurphy's. We introduced something new last week. Specialty categories for each of the teams. So if you're uh, a team that comes out tonight, you will be uh, given a special... You'll tell me a specialty category. For example... Uh, Peter Foote and his team specialty category is 2021, 20, 2021, 2022 ECU men's basketball. So questions about last basketball season. Chandler's teams is uh, Super Bowl MVPs. CJ's team is Premier League or uh, Champions League winners since 2010. So everybody so, has their specialty category. I come up with a very difficult question in that realm and uh, see if you can answer it. Didn't Peter's team, are they going with the same category? They I, are. Okay. And they missed last week's. Yeah. And I, I got it wrong when you asked me. I think you asked me off the air. The question was, East Carolina played Old Dominion last year twice in basketball. Uh, named the four Pirates to score in double figures against the Monarchs last season. The answers were? Tristan Newton. Brandon Suggs, Brandon Johnson, Johnson, and then there was also, of course, the man we like to call Luigi Vance Jackson. Vance Jackson, gosh, how quickly you forget. Yeah, Vance Jackson. All right, uh, we'll talk a little hoops with I when I go gets here, uh, and Patrick as well. He was at media day, so uh, we'll talk about that. But right now, we will talk some pirate football, East Carolina. Said to take on UCF Saturday night, 7 o'clock. And Alex Walker, this was four or five years ago, would be at the game covering it for WITN 7. Now he is down in Florida, in Orlando, covering sports, including UCF. And he joins us on the Pit Electric Live line. Alex, how you doing, man? Hey, man. It's great. Great. Thanks for having me. It's been a while, but uh, things are going well in Florida. Great to be back on Pirate Radio and uh, talk a little ECU this Saturday. You remember Alex from uh, WITN TV uh, with sports with Billy Weaver a few years ago. And Alex, catch us up. You've you've uh, you've had another stop since you landed there in Florida. So, what's your uh, sports anchor journey been like? Uh, catch us up. Yeah, it's been awesome, man. Uh, you know, left left Greenville. Uh, had a wonderful two years there. Left in 2018, so it's already been four years, which is crazy. Wow. I uh, spent uh, four years in Lexington, Kentucky, so covering all things uh, Kentucky Wildcats, John Calipari, and Mark Stoops and his football team. It was the best four-year stretch in U.K. football history, which was uh, a lot of fun to be a part of, two Citrus Bowls and a couple wins in between and bowl games. But, uh, you know, covering U.K., covered a lot of horse racing, got to cover a Kentucky Derby for the first time uh, this past May, which was a lot of fun, you know, dress up, do the whole nine yards with all the bourbon and all that good stuff but i uh, left lexington in uh, about a month ago and arrived here in orlando florida at the uh, uh the lead sports anchor at the abc station down here so it's been fun so far we got ucf and 
Uh, the Orlando Magic start tonight against Detroit, so a lot of fun stuff going on. Orlando City MLS Soccer just bowed out in the playoffs, but a lot of fun stuff going on around here. Good stuff, and uh, you get to, to watch a good football team week in, week out. This UCF team, that one loss, which going back to that one against Louisville, I know they'd like to have that one back, uh, Alex. They, they, uh, a better team, I think, than Louisville, but not on that night. And that's the one blemish on this UCF uh, resume right now. It is a blemish, and it's such a puzzling, puzzling result. It was it was a Friday night. Uh, it was a packed house uh, here at UCF, and they just they just let Louisville hang around. You see games like this all the time where you're the better team, clearly, but if you just let a mediocre team hang around and get some hope late and it can happen. And UCF did not slam the door and, uh, and, and Louisville was able to pull out a win on the road. And you look at Louisville's results this season and you, and you still wonder how did that result happen? Cause Louisville is very middle of the pack in the ACC. They have a coach in Scott Satterfield that, you know, doesn't really have a lot of support from the fan base right now. And so you look at that one blemish and go, how did that happen? But at the same time, you know, you can't, let a week two result hinder what you do the rest of the season and UCF certainly has it and they've been they've been all systems go after that Georgia Tech win and uh they've, they've been putting some good things together the last couple of weeks yeah and uh how much of that is due to the play of uh John Rice Plumley right now as he looks like he's getting it done certainly on the ground but coming off what four touchdowns against temple so how about him uh, at quarterback alex it looks like he's more dangerous maybe with his legs and his arm but i uh, can certainly do it both this is a guy in john rice plumley you know when i got down here uh and saw that john rice plumley was qb1 for ucf like that dude's still playing college football <laughs> uh, you know this guy was for you know this guy played for ole miss and then you know went from quarterback to the wide receiver and then he was playing a little tight end and then he played college baseball and you know, you forget sometimes that, that John Rice hasn't played as a starting quarterback in a couple of years. And so when you factor that in, you say, okay, this guy's still kind of reacclimating himself to the position and, and getting those reps and getting comfortable with his guys. And he transferred in, and, and he's really been solid the last couple of weeks. Against Georgia Tech, he only threw for like 40 yards and, and missed a bunch of easy throws. But now he's really getting into a rhythm, and he's yeah, sure he has the ability to run the football, and he can lower the shoulder. He's not afraid to, just like Holt Naylor's, not afraid to lower the boom over a linebacker. But at the same time, he's a shorter quarterback. But when he zips that ball over the line, he's he's got a solid arm. I mean, he threw for three, three hundred and change against Temple this past week, and had seven total touchdowns. And Cliff, I know you'll appreciate this uh, uh, this throwback. So seven touchdowns by a UCF player ties. Dante Culpepper. Oh wow! Uh, for the for the for the most all time at, at uh, UCF and Darren Slack as well. But Dante Culpepper, I was like, ah, you're in decent company if you're mentioned with Dal- uh, Dante. So <laughs> yeah, John Rice has been solid, and we'll see if his uh, his offense can travel up to Greenville. Yeah, and those offensive numbers uh, very impressive uh, for UCF. And then you look to the defensive side, giving up 14 points per game, and even that game they lost, we talked about with Louisville, they gave up 20 to. Uh, you know Malik Cunningham and his Louisville struggles, yeah, but Cunningham can get his, and uh, they were able to allow just twenty points in that one. So it looks like they are bringing some defense with them to Greenville this Saturday night. Yeah, that's the thing about UCF this year is you don't typically think of UCF as oh they've got a great defense, but Travis Williams in his second year as defensive coordinator for UCF really has this group humming, 
And what makes this group so impressive is sure, I mean, they're only giving up 14 points a game or so. That's top 10 in the country. But the bigger number to me is they're number one in the country in red zone defense. And so they've shown the ability to bend, not break when it really matters. Opponents have only scored on 11 of 21 trips this season. Uh, that's, that's really impressive. Here's the thing, though, about the defense. Yes, they're strong. Yes, they're solid. And statistically, one of the best units in the country. But we, I, I still don't think we really learned a whole lot about this team. And you look at their schedule, their best wins SMU. And, and SMU, I think, is going to be middle of the pack in the you know, middle of the pack in the American. And so, UCF's defense has been good against who? You know, Florida, Florida Atlantic, you know, Louisville, Georgia Tech, SMU, Temple. Ah, you know, I, they've been good and they've been doing their job, but. We're really going to learn a lot about this group starting Saturday against ECU. You got ECU, they play Cincinnati here, then they go to Memphis, to Tulane. And that's the meat of the make or break part of their schedule. We're going to learn a lot about UCF this Saturday. Can their defense travel? And can they do it against an ECU offense that, as we know, when they're humming, they're humming? And we'll see if they can uh, produce those same red zone numbers uh, in a rowdy night atmosphere there in Greenville. Alex Walker joining us, and uh, Alex, one of the cool parts about what you do and, and what we do, we get to know these players. We also get to know these coaches. So, how about Gus Malzahn? He's kind of been he's been close to the uh, the mountaintop. Was in a, a BCS championship game, Sugar Bowl, Peach Bowl. You know, been uh, in all those big time games, big time bowls with Auburn. Now goes to UCF nine and four a year ago, playing well this year. What uh, sometimes you get those coaches that have been in the SEC and they. Uh, quote unquote you know take a step downward i guess to to a, a job like ucf but uh, i don't know how how's his temperament how's it been uh working with coach malzahn it's been great covering gus so far and i think what last year proved was cincinnati finally breaking through as a quote-unquote group of five team is that you know gus realizes that he can accomplish his same goals at ucf that he did in the sec uh, when Cincinnati finally breaks through, you're saying, okay, if you're a good enough team in this league, like Cincinnati was last year and what UCF possibly could be this year, you can still accomplish the same thing. And so he realizes that UCF, you know, it's, it's Florida. The recruiting hotbed is incredible. And so you're able to recruit guys here. Uh, and, I mean, you look at some of his receivers or SEC transfers and guys that were good enough to play at Auburn and Alabama, but decided to play at UCF and, and light it up here. And so Gus, you know, he made the decision to come here knowing he can still compete for a national championship. And he also came here knowing that this is a UCF team set to join the Big 12 next year. And so that definitely was part of the strategy, I think, of knowing that, hey, this UCF team is on the brink of, you know, being a part of a of a bigger bigger plan, a, a bigger conference. And so when, you know, this year is over and you start playing, uh, you know, some, some, some bigger opponents and have the chance to have some better bowl tie-ins and all that, you know, I think he realizes this is a great opportunity. And UCF's you know, I didn't realize when I got here, UCS one of the biggest universities in the country. So he has the resources and the money to still make it work here. And uh, he gets to be in Orlando instead of Auburn. <laughs> Nothing against the Plains, but I think it's a little nicer to live in Orlando. Yeah, it's got its advantages, I'm sure. Uh, I got to say, Alex, if uh, East Carolina was in the position UCF was, I would be... I'd be watching Big 12 football every week. I'd be uh, looking forward to next year, talking about next year. But, you know, how, how much does that conversation creep in? Uh, that, obviously not with with uh, Coach Malzahn and the players, but fans, people around there, how excited are they for the move to the uh, the Big 12? They're very excited. And, we, and we've already talked to fans about the move. The uh, the Big 12 commissioner is set to make his visit to, Green, or, uh, to Orlando 
uh, next Wednesday in advance of that big UCS-Cincinnati homecoming game uh, October 29th. So he's going to be here next week. To, and so in advance of that, you know, we were talking to some fans about, hey, you know, how eager are you for this move? And how can you not be excited? I think a big part of it is, you know, when you're in, when you're in the American, there are some great opponents that come in and that you visit. But it's not a week-to-week thing. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, if, if, if Temple comes to town on a random Thursday, how excited can you get You know, as a fan? Nothing against Temple, but that's just kind of the nature of college football. But you know, when you're in the Big 12 and you got, you know, at least for two years, you got Texas coming, you got Oklahoma coming, you got even just a Texas Tech or you know, this year Kansas, TCU, teams like that, that that have big fan bases and that gets you excited a little more than uh, some of the other schools in the league. But they're excited. It's going to be a fun move and excited to see some of those schools come here next year. Talking to Alex Walker joining us today on the Pit Electric Live Line. Alex uh, down there in Orlando with uh, our old buddy who we talked to earlier this week, Zach Maskovich. Alex at WFTV down there in Orlando. How's uh, how's Zach doing? Y'all still uh, going out on the nightlife? He's about married now, though, right? He's got a, he's got a main squeeze. He's, he's got- he does, he does, and she's wonderful. And no, it, it's awesome to be, as you guys know, back when Zach and I were in Greenville together, we were uh, really close, and you know, had a great relationship there. And that's continued. We have we haven't lost touch over the last, you know, three four years. And it's great to be back in a in a city with a really close friend and. And that's been wonderful so far to, to already have a, a nice friend group down here. So that's been great. No doubt. And, uh, Alex, you were welcome to Florida with the uh, hurricane. Really brought you back to your time in eastern North Carolina, I'm sure. But how's everything going on that end? Are you, uh, you settled in down there yet? Yeah, things are going well with that. Yeah, hurricane here. And they were asking, you know, I had to go out and cover the hurricane for a couple of days. And uh, they were asking me on the air, like, is this your first hurricane? I said, well, it's my first Central Florida hurricane. You know, I... Uh, was there for for Michael and Matthew back in Eastern North Carolina, and so a little bit of experience with hurricanes. But you know, for me, I'm I'm, I'm thankful because I had you know little to no impacts on my apartment and life. But there was a lot of a lot of serious flooding issues uh, down in Central Florida, especially on the coast there in uh, in Southwest Florida. And so you know, nothing to complain about on my end. I'm just glad the water is starting to recede and. You know, everyone's starting to get a little bit of sense of normalcy. But you know how that is in North Carolina, too. When something blows through like that, you just count your blessings that you're okay and do what yeah. you can to help everybody else out. Alex, uh, good stuff. Uh, Alex, what else you got going on outside of UCF football? You mentioned some magic hoops. Uh, what else are you covering down there in Orlando? Well, you know, for you guys that, that are in North Carolina, you guys are very familiar with Paolo Bancaro. So, you know, this is uh, – you, you look at the Orlando Magic and – this is a this is a team that's had three number one picks in their history before Paolo, and they've uh, been to the finals with all three of those players. You look hmm. at Dwight Howard, you look at Steele O'Neal, and you look at Penny Hardaway by way of Chris Webber. And so <laughs> you have three number one picks, you hit on all of them, and then you hope you hit again with Paolo because this is a magic team that has not been very good uh, outside of what Aaron Gordon a couple of years ago. But uh, it's a lot of excitement around the Magic. They start tonight, so that'll be fun. We also cover uh, Orlando City, the MLS franchise. The season is uh, wrapping up here. They just lost to Montreal in the playoffs. But cover a little Florida Gators. Uh, of course, we'll have Daytona coming up in February. Uh, Orlando's getting an XFL franchise again. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. The last time XFL was in Orlando, they had a pretty fun following at camping world stadium so a little xfl a little pga tour and then uh uh yeah it'll be it'll be a lot of fun especially i'm excited to dive into a little nascar here in february so uh lots lots going on and uh and especially with some bowl games as well so we'll have the 
Cheese It Bowl and the Cure Bowl and the in the Citrus Bowl and whatever else is going on. Nice. Uh, yeah. No. Uh... No shortage of things to cover down there in uh, in sunny Florida. Alex, great to catch up with you, man. Keep up the uh, the good work, and we'll keep in touch and get you back on. But uh, good to talk some sports with you today. Hey, you as you as well, man. It was great talking to you, and uh, hope we all enjoy this uh, UCF ECU game on Saturday. Have fun. Going to be a fun one. Alex Walker joining us today on the Pit Electric Live Line. Good to catch up with uh, our old friend from WITN7 uh, down in Orlando now. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Patrick Mason, Daily Reflector, will join us. We'll talk some football and a little hoops. He was at ECU Basketball Media Day. So we'll uh, talk all things ECU Athletics with Patrick Mason as we roll on Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Back with you after this. Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour brought to you by Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 264 in Washington at WashingtonChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Town Insurance is your premier independent insurance agency. From maximizing opportunities to minimizing risk, Town's insurance advisors offer expert professional advice to clients of all sizes. For personal or business insurance questions, call 756-8300 today. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's Clip. Reading an NFL story right now that said uh, Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft engaged in a heated exchange. Like, no way. This is probably bogus. And I'll just read it from the article uh, from ESPN.com. Uh, there was a 31 to 1 vote on Tuesday to permit their compensation committee to open negotiations on a new contract with Roger Goodell. Um, Kraft joined the overwhelming majority in support for the measure. Jerry Jones was the lone dissenter in the owners only session, eventually, t- eventually telling Kraft, Don't F with me. Kraft replied, Excuse me? Jerry Jones said, don't mess with me, boy. He didn't say boy, but I bet he says boy a lot. I could see Jerry Jones saying boy quite a bit. Boy. Um. All right. So I guess that was the back don't and forth. Don't mess with me, boy. Boy? Don't mess with me, boy. <laughs> don't F with me, boy. Don't F with me, boy. You know who I am? <laughs> and there it was. Glory hole. Glory hole. Mr. Glory Hole himself, Jerry Jones. So, uh, all right. We got owners going at it. That's good. Jim Ursay, ready to get rid of Dan <laughs> Snyder. That's awesome. How about these guys? These children. Take some merit. These billionaire children uh, going at it. Patrick Mason joins us. Hey, Patrick. What's up? I'm not a billionaire. So I know, man. I what if you stake. were? What do you think you'd be doing right now Ooh. if you were a billionaire? I don't know. I, it's always, I'd probably just be hanging out somewhere. Just lounging somewhere warm yeah somewhere warm maybe an indoor pool you'd have to have a lot of hobbies though i know you would get really bored yeah and they say like money can't buy you happiness which is the biggest bs ever (laughs) right i could buy a lot of (laughs) happiness right now if i had more money 
uh but yeah you probably would get bored like i have a uh daughter in eighth grade so we'd have to i can't just take her out of school if i'm a billionaire i guess i could but i would want her to have a normal life yeah for the most part and you gotta like as a kid you want to interact with other kids and right yeah hang true. out like you know see your friends. she's not ready just to shut it down yet you know probably not maybe yeah. us yeah let's go that's a good point <laughs> chandler what would you uh be doing if you were a billionaire uh i don't know I'd probably pre- probably going to as many like sports sporting events as possible yeah that's a good point and like maybe be in houston tonight or yeah are you san antonio for the hornets game and, and get a like a box seat every time yeah like that's what have y'all ever heard of the marlins man yeah that, like the guy that sits behind he goes to all these big sporting events that's basically what i would do just you know find the best seat in the house best suite in the house and go to all these sporting events no that's a good point stay in a penthouse at the nicest hotel in the downtown area so you're just doing some fun things yes just have have a blast you're a billionaire why would you not do fun things uh would you would you be interested in owning a franchise i don't know if i would want to be a part of that and be a part of that stress you could uh if if you're doing your i might buy like a minority type of deal you know might I be would. a mi- minority owner Not would you ma- ma- majority owner like be in control of everything yeah hmm. I, I would like if made. i if i had like robert Kraft money yeah, I would, I would be a billionaire a and not have to worry about that stress. I no, would no, no, go, no. I would go and sit in a, in a box like an owner would, and watch a game. I can just pretend I'm the owner of any sporting event. Say I go to a Milwaukee Bucks game, they're playing, I don't know, the 76ers. I can go, hey, give me a box suite. Yeah, suite. You'd rather be that guy than have to be tied down to one franchise. Yes. Yeah, Patrick. What if you were the hero that finally took control away from the? Is it the McCaskies or whatever for the Bears? Yeah. yeah. And, like, you could be a legend if you bought the team from them. Yeah. I, I would 100% be a sports owner. It would be awesome. I think there's no downside. You really don't have to be accountable to anybody. You can no. just go hide. You don't have to answer questions from the media. I mean, you could just hide out and, you know, what are you going to do? I and what do they want? They kind of like David Tepper. They only yeah. get on you if you're, like, too out there in the open. Like, you're too hands-on. Okay, fine. I'll right. just not do anything. Oh yeah. I just can't watch my money grow while the team wins or loses. Doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. Somehow our biz, uh, somehow the team is more uh worth more today than they were yesterday. That's all that matters. <laughs> right. <laughs> so all right. There you go. There's billionaire talk. What would you do if you were a billionaire? Listen to PRL and hang out. It'd be cool to have a radio or some type of show, I guess, podcasting live if you were a billionaire and could just tell everybody to f all <laughs> that would be pretty entertaining thoughts from a billionaire yeah i feel like that would uh deep thoughts <laughs> from a billionaire josh said he'd have his name on the indoor practice facility well yeah <laughs> a, i mean i'd obviously answer. have some cool stuff over at ecu just put your name on everything with concrete i'd get I mike just, schwartz that um that film room that he wants yeah i just thought about this we're talking about billionaires Speaking of billionaires, Robert Kraft had his wedding. He had a bunch of honorary guests. If you're a billionaire and a lot of people know you, you only can get 10 honorary guests. Or like, let's let's chime it down to five. Five honorary guests, anybody. Pop culture, sports, anybody. Who's your five that you're inviting? Great question. To my wedding? To your wedding, like Robert Kraft. 
So you're assuming at this point that hell has frozen over. Because <laughs> you're getting married. Well, yeah. you're, a, yeah. you're a billionaire. <laughs> Do we have to marry somebody 40 years younger than us? I think it's required. Yeah, I think yeah. if you're a yes, billionaire, you're, that's yes. a requirement. Yeah, you have. You are already like so. You're, I'm you're eighty. You're eighty. You're, you're oh, eighty okay. years old. I was about to say. You're I'm marrying a thirty-five-year-old. I can't legally marry an infant. No, like you're marrying. You're, no, you're marrying a thirty-five-year-old. You're right. eighty. Okay. Who are you inviting? Five guests. <sighs> um. Let's see. Athletic world actor musician. Um. Maybe Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. He'd be cool to hang out with. Ooh, that's a good answer talk some music with mm-hmm. i would like to hang out with him um somebody else name one i, d- I would just like people to have just fun people to party with yeah see, to hang i out think with. i think people that would have fun such yeah. as so the two people i'm thinking of right now john daly and adam sandler just <laughs> <laughs> a wild wedding that's gonna be an interesting matchup nice day for a wild wedding, wedding. I'm inviting Steven Igo. No doubt. Why? Because. All right. Just because he walked in the door. <laughs> How about Russell Wilson? No. What a loser. What a <laughs> dork. What a dork. <laughs> oh, he's already dog cussing you in the lobby. <laughs> Why? He seems cool, man. He I would just want to do like a hey, TikTok. Hey, I got one. That's right. It's spicy. Hey, this, these hors d'oeuvres are spicy. <laughs> Mine would be Cat where's Williams. The, where's the Subway subs? Cat Williams. Oh, I didn't think about comedians. Yeah, Cat Williams. Can I bring Greg Giraldo back from the grave? Uh, maybe Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross. Oh, to like roast the entire oh, wedding? Yeah, he's, that would be, oh, that uh, would you be, know what? Yeah. Add him to my list. Yeah, Cat Williams would be one of mine. <laughs> so I got Dave Grohl and Jeff Ross right now. I'm trying to get to five. You can just leave it at three. Patrick, you haven't named one person. I know. I, I don't know. Do I, you not like participating in our events? If I'm a billionaire, I don't know if I want these people crashing my wedding. Freeloaders. What, what to take away the attention <laughs> all from these, yourself? All Probably. Yeah, if I'm a billionaire, I, I've got an ego, too, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah, don't you even hang have, out with millionaires anymore. you got to be the senior anymore. center of that's, attention. That's right. Yeah, I don't want yeah, John Legend or something out here playing the piano and showing me up. <laughs> uh, speaking of musicians, Taylor Swift. I would right. do Taylor Swift. She wears. Because I think she'd be fun. A lot of people don't know who this is, but he's a comedian. Theo Vaughn. I'm going to bring Theo Vaughn to my wedding. I know who he is. What are you? All right. Chandler just wants to laugh, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And drink beer. Have a good time. Okay. I, I would bring Ashlyn Harris. Soccer? Soccer goalie. But also, when she was on the World Cup, uh, when they won the most recent World Cup, which was in 2019, oh I believe, um, she became the queen of content in terms of uh, the celebrations that normally you don't get to see in the locker rooms, especially with women's soccer. And uh, so I think she would be a lot of fun running around with her cell phone, you know, hanging out with Cat Williams. And <laughs> This guy, I'm pretty sure, went to Robert Kraft's wedding, but I'm inviting Gronk. <laughs> All right. So, again, I, say, I mean, I, you have a clear theme <laughs> for your guests. Yeah, people that are fun. Just party fun oh yeah well yeah because like i said if i'm getting married if i'm a billionaire and i'm getting married hell has frozen over so you might as well have a good time while you're at it so you bring the most fun people you know who was that robert Kraft's wedding tom brady <laughs> <laughs> not bill belichick um tom brady i don't know who was there there was a slew and i mean a slew of celebrities <laughs> a slew um kelly clarkson 
Ed Sheeran performed at uh, Robert oh, Kraft's. Oh, Elton John was there, I, I believe. I love Ed Sheeran. Elton John, that'd be cool. It's just yeah, like a rich people party. Oh, have him sing. But just, have Elton John sing? Yeah. I'd probably just bring like five friends. Yeah. Hey, Can I bring Patrick. my wife to my wedding? My new wedding? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> all right, so she'd be there to see me get married. You, all right, so since you're marrying and since you're 80 years old, you're no longer married to your wife. You can allow her. What to, happened to her? Well, she's still in your life, I guess. But you're marrying somebody that's okay. a 35 year old. But to compensate her, you can be like, hey, you can invite three of your favorite, you know, actors or actresses. Chandler, my ex-wife in this hypothetical scenario is not coming to my wedding. Now you've made me mad about a hypothetical scenario that doesn't even exist and never. What will. if it was amicable though? yeah i guess but am i wasting one of my picks on my wife no, no. i'm not no she's not coming <laughs> but she had nothing to do you just all of a sudden turn into an 80 year old right. billionaire patrick, patrick do you I, want to talk about sports how how was basketball media day i feel like this segment always gets off the rail right yeah. away how was by the way it's over thanks for coming it was it was actually pretty good i think it, i think it went well i think we learned a little bit from what did you learn mike schwartz what'd you learn um Basically, this, this season will be a lot about growth, development, and kind of figuring out what the baseline is for the future. A.K.A. they're going to lose a lot of games. Yeah. Um, I guess when, when Mike Schwartz was asked, you know, how he will define success, he just said, you know, I'm not necessarily going to put a win and loss total on it. We're going to talk about, you know, building an identity, setting up a culture. Um, and yeah, I think that's almost what it has to be, right? I yeah, think you, you have to just kind of figure out. You got to set in the floor, set in, set in, you know, what you want to do moving forward. I mean, that that's what the season has to be. It stinks because if you've been an ECU basketball watcher for a long time, you, you're tired of being patient. But you're going to have to be. This season is a complete. You know, he's got a free pass on whatever happens, really. Yeah. And so that's just the way it is. Yep. I mean, also a lot of new players, a new roster. It's like almost everyone's starting from square one. And, you know, I talked to a few players too, and, you know, they're kind of excited about being in on the ground floor of this. You know, like they get to be the first team here to go through and try to set some sort of expectation, some sort of, of ground level of what this team's going to be. Programming alert thanks to John Moody, East Carolina. Wait. Oh, crap. They must have sent this. Oh, so the game's almost over. Uh, East Carolina is taking on Memphis on ESPNU till 5 o'clock if you want to watch the end of the game again. Uh, Mike P. says he's definitely inviting Marshawn Lynch to his wedding. Just hope he has a driver. And a bunch of Skittles on deck. To the wedding. Um, Good news. We asked Mike Schwartz last week when he joined me here on Pirate Radio Live, will this be the year we get to see Winston Tabs on the court? He said he was very close to being cleared to practice. What's the latest on Winston Tabs? Yes, yeah, so he, he said uh, Winston Tabs was cleared for contact. Um, his first contact practice was yesterday. Um, so in the right direction, but he did say, however, he's not been cleared for games. So um, Baby steps. Right. But, uh, hey, he's back on the court. He's playing. You know, he's running through pads type of stuff. So he's getting he's getting there. And, you know, that, that's really the first huge step is getting on the court and actually, you know, making some cuts and running into people a little bit. So definitely a good sign. Can you imagine the frustration that he has had? I mean, we are frustrated because we haven't been able to see him. But, and I said it this way to Coach Schwartz: like he, the thing that he loves, the thing that he's really good at, he's been unable to do for like 
two and a half years or whatever i mean that is just crazy it's a long time and i think for whatever reason basketball players are unique in that like they just always play basketball year round like even nba players when the season's over like you'll see videos of guys playing that lifetime fitness like you just gotta hoop all the time so if you can't do that it's got to be so frustrating and you just got to be looking around like what am i doing here you know when's my when's my body going to catch up to what i want to do well, I'm sure he's taken a million shots uh, since he's been able to actually play in a game. So hopefully the shot hasn't been affected. It's about <laughs> kind of everything else, the moving, the defense, and, and all that. So uh, excited if we could see him on the court. It's almost an added bonus at this point. Like you don't even factor him into the roster, but if he's out there, certainly gives you, uh, I don't know, a little more credibility as a basketball team. It does because he, I mean, he showed an ability to score and be a good player when he was healthy um you know boston college and stuff so yeah and i mean it'll take him some time to get up to speed and you know get back into the groove but yeah absolutely it'll be a huge boost to this team when he comes back and honestly it seems like i've you know talked to a lot of the young guys like every time i ask them you know who's kind of helped you in this transition to college and almost everyone said winston tabs has just been a really good rock for them who's your uh favorite newcomer patrick and i realize we haven't seen him on the court yet so i'll let you change your answer once we see actual games but what newcomer are you most excited about? Um, I actually had a good conversation with Jaden Walker, um, maybe partly because he was from Iowa State, and I, we had a little conversation about Iowa and Iowa State. Um, so that was just kind of fun. Um, Caleb LeCount, too, the the freshman. Um, I think it'd just be interesting to see you know, how he translates to the college level as well. He's my guy. I'm yeah, excited about him. For sure. And I think they just both kind of had a good little personality, and it was nice talking with them. So it'll be fun to see them out actually playing games. Patrick Mason joining us. We'll take a break, come back, get his thoughts on East Carolina UCF coming up this Saturday night at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Once again, uh, they are in the second overtime on ESPNU if you want to see how Saturday night's game ended. You think they pulled out? I think they're going to do it. We'll uh, take a timeout, come back, have more for you after this. Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour brought to you by Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Drive a little and save a lot with a short trip to Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 264 in Washington at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Country Mart has been locally owned and operated for over 40 years and is your premier country store serving the best cheese biscuits and country food around. Country Mart is open every day and has two locations in Bethel on Highway 11 and in Stokes on Highway 903. And both locations are top-of-the-line fuel stations serving shell gas, including 93-ethanol-free high-octane gas. Country Mart, fueling you up with great food and your engines with great gasoline. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. All right. Hennigan hits his receiver. Now the Pirates have to get a two-point conversion. And if I'm East Carolina here... I have Ehlers go through one, two, three, maybe four reads and then give it to Keaton Mitchell. Out on the flat probably, right? And let him just go to work. I, I think that works good. What do, you, what do you say? Let's go for it. Ready, break. All right. And if uh, they get it, just I can say go right to C.J. Johnson. Right to just him. Just right to him. Yep. All right. We'll see how we do. All right. Thoughts on UCF, Patrick. 
It's, they, they're a good team. They're a very good team. It's probably one of the better teams the EC will face in a little while and probably will face. They just they can score and they can score really fast. Like I think Mike Houston talked about it. Like that the score was tight last week for their game and all of a sudden they just the score was out of hand, like just like that. So that that's definitely uh, an issue. You got to find a way to not give up some big plays, which ECU's defense has has been doing lately. You know, especially in the first half of this Memphis game. You know, they got down early really quick, um, but the defense I think played good enough to win at the end of the game in the second half. But you just really just have to avoid you know UCF just dropping one on you and scoring you know twenty eight points in a blink. Yeah, and we talked earlier, what do you do if you're East Carolina? Do you try to go ball control, take the air out of the ball, or do you get into a fist fight with UCF up and down the field? Uh, what, you know, what, what mode do you go there? I think you have to go like the fist fight up and down the field. I mean, we, we've seen ECU try to milk some drives and put some drives together, and like I think the result of that was just the rhythm wasn't there. You know, like, yeah. if you try to, yeah. you know, hey, let's dink and dunk, like we did, we found that they, they struggle with that, at least lately, so... I think, yeah, I think you just try to score and just, just go at him. Going to be a lot of stress on the defense taking on uh, John Rice Plumley because he is so good running the football and his rushing numbers uh as good, if not better, than his passing numbers this year. So it's uh, the defense is hopefully going to have their legs back. I mean, they had to be gassed after the four-overtime game the other night, but they're going to be put on uh, quite a test on Saturday. Yeah, you really got to pay attention to him in the running game. I mean, it's like essentially an unaccounted for player, but you just got to have someone with their eyes on him at all times. And I, I think ECU is, I mean, even look at the numbers, they're they're doing great against defending the run, but they're also really susceptible to that, just dropping that deep ball in or just finding some some room there. So I think there's a lot to pay attention to. It's almost like navy in a way where you have to be really smart and very um disciplined in where you're going and what you're looking at um and, and that'll be key you, know, you really just have to be smart against against this team how about injury wise for east carolina mike houston doesn't talk about it east carolina doesn't give you any information on that but we were talking earlier uh you know whole nailers is walking off the field with his arm dangling down and keaton mitchell not a hundred percent jeremy lewis helped off the field on Saturday, a lot of guys banged up for this team. Miles Berry, more injured than we talk about probably right now. So uh, everybody's dealing with it, but it's uh, it's certainly going through East Carolina right now. Yeah, we're definitely starting to see the depth um, show itself. You know, Jalen Johnson hasn't played in a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that just causes different guys to play either out of position or getting some new guys. Like, you know, Josiah Hatfield seeing a lot of run lately. I will say a receiver, though, we have not seen a lot of depth. It's the same guys. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just moving them. It's Winstead, CJ. We're, we're starting to see more Josiah Hatfield. But as far as beyond that, we haven't seen many receivers at all. Yeah, and I thought we were going to see Rock Spaulding last week just with the way they were talking about him. And, you know, he didn't play much or at all. And uh, Classic I, red herring by <laughs> Donnie Kirkpatrick. they the whole Memphis team was focused on Brock Spalding. That's right. And yep. he didn't play. That was that was the key right there. Yep. <laughs> key piece of information to leak out. But at other spots, you're right. Uh, depth has shown up. And uh, I think I saw Igo on the pers- uh, participation chart uh, say that th- that was the first game the other night where all five linemen played every snap on the offensive line. Uh, so interesting there. But and uh, I was yeah. going to say, in a pre-Washington playing yeah. cornerback a ton, and that was his most snaps. Um yeah, you're just kind of seeing it everywhere. And I think it's just, I mean, what are you, what are we, week seven now, going into week eight? I mean, without a bye, it's just two months of straight football crashing into each other. No, nah, that's a good point. Difficult. And then a short week going into next Friday, and you finally get that off week uh, where East Carolina can hopefully heal up and uh, get ready for the final stretch of the regular season. 
Ailers to uh, CJ one-on-one here. Speaking of one-on-one, uh, Isaiah Winstead said UCF likes to go one-on-one, which he likes as well. So uh, we'll see if they can win those matchups this week. Yeah, and you know it's going to be a little bit of another thing where it's like you know you versus me kind of situation, and I think all the ECU receivers you know kind of relish that opportunity. Um, I mean, look at you know what like just like we drew it up right. Um, but CJ Johnson's been able to win win a lot of those battles, um, and you know I think what's interesting. I guess for the past couple of weeks, teams are just not blitzing Holden Aylers, like just not very often at all. They're just content dropping seven, eight. Um, and I, I wonder if that's going to be a trend moving forward. Um, I talked to Mark Daniels yesterday, the play-by-play voice at UCF, says they don't blitz a lot. Mm-hmm. They play pretty basic and will have their D-line get after the quarterback, and if not, they'll have enough in coverage to stop you. So sounds like that we might see that again uh, another week. Yeah, and that's just, it's really on Holton then just to really know where the ball is supposed to go with all those guys in coverage. Um, a lot of times with the blitz, obviously you're sped up, but maybe if you see a blitz comes from this side, you, you can guess or kind of figure out, hey, maybe I can throw it that way. Because um, I, I think Tulane maybe not didn't blitz at all. Um, Memphis, you know, obviously didn't blitz much either. So um, definitely, definitely interesting thing to watch. And like you said, if, if UCF doesn't do that either, it'll be three straight weeks of just a lot of coverage. All right, Patrick Mason joining us. Uh, you can give him a follow on Twitter. You can read his work, pages of the Daily Reflector, onlinereflector.com. Uh, are the Bulls going to be any good this year? Uh, they'll be all right. I think Zach Levine's on the injured injury report, which is not what you want going into this season. Um, they'll be middle of the road. <laughs> they open up tonight in Miami yeah. against the Heat. All right, Patrick, thanks for hanging out. We'll uh, give you a phone call Saturday on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. Sounds good. All right, Phillies hitting in the top of the first, and if Castellanos is up, that means they've gotten through the order a little bit. We'll see if they've got any runs on the board. It's going to be first and second for the Phillies after a jam shot, as they're showing Bryce Harper. I think he wanted to be at third after that blooper, but he's not. It is two on, nobody out. Uh, So they had... Oh, okay, it's the second inning. That's what was confusing me. I was thinking they were still in the first. Top of the second, nobody out as uh, Alec Bohm up to the plate for the Phillies. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk to Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors. Patrick heading out to uh, practice because, well, it's coordinator day. We'll hear from Donnie Kirkpatrick and Blake Carroll later on today. Have that for you on our Pirate Radio social media accounts. More to go. Hour 3, Pirate Radio Live. Back with you after this. listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Live well, move more, and hurt less with kinetic physical therapy. If you're recovering from an injury, getting back into sports, dealing with everyday pain or fatigue, then kinetic physical therapy can help you get back on track and live well. Kinetic has nationally certified therapists for physical, occupational, speech, and massage therapy, all in a state-of-the-art facility on Arlington Boulevard in Greenville. Visit kineticptgreenville.com for more information. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's Cliff. Back with you, Pirate Radio Live. On a Wednesday, Phillies 
have got a run on the Biden board. They lead it one nothing over the Padres. Runners on second and third, one out. How do you feel about Reese Hoskins? Are you cool with the bat slam? Oh yeah, I'm cool with anything. Right. I really am. You're cool with anything? Yes. Right. I don't. I, it's and I, I don't want our guy to. Oh, oh my goodness no. gracious, Mister Juan. Juan Soto could not find the ball. Lost it in that beautiful San Diego sun. Yeah, that wouldn't happen in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I mean, the sun would be about going <laughs> covered, down now. Yeah. Uh, so, it is two to nothing. The runner, as he points to the sun, we know, dude, we know. Maybe yeah. he just threw the game and said. It was a uh, pretty... money on the fields. I mean, a, that's a routine ball. It is right at the edge of the track, but he uh, could not find it with his cool sunglasses. He almost caught it anyway, accidentally. Um, nah, dude slams his bat down. That's fine. And I don't want our guy to throw a ball at his head next time he comes up. I want the guy to strike him out. You know, I mean, that's right. how I feel about all that crap. I don't care. Even the rocking the baby thing. It, he's the that guy. Stupid, though. He looks like a moron. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to hit him either. I want to strike him out. And then our entire team start doing this rock the baby thing, which is basically what happened. Yeah. I think it happened the way it should have happened. Yeah. If you go around the bases, rocking the baby, it's probably not going to end up well for you. And we he did it while they were losing, too. He yeah, looks it like was the weird, idiot. yeah. It was Sorry. a strange decision. Anyway, I go. Um, did you watch the Mariners during the ECU game? I had it up the entire time. And so I, I started watching it at 4.07 Eastern time, and I quit watching it around 10... <laughs> 30 p.m eastern maybe a little bit before then because i think it went six hours plus something either way it was well into the fourth quarter by the time the game finally ended which is just insane because i had not even left my house yet to get to the game which i usually get there about two hours early and it it was just by the end of it i was just numb first of all i was locked in on the ecu game like i had it up but I had it up on another window, and I had the stats up, so I would check in on it. And by the end, I was just ready for it to be over. Like, I wasn't even mad when the Astros hit the home run. I was just like, somebody please score so I can quit paying attention to this game. And I I knew at that point the Mariners weren't going to win the series. They had already used every pitcher except for their next game starter. And so they would have had very little shot to win the following day. But – uh i'm just glad they got to experience a home playoff game just would have been nice if they could have scored all i doing stuff like this i want to see who scored the last run for the mariners in a home playoff game i'm gonna to have to go back to game two say john Olerud. october uh could have been stan javier who hit a home run for the mariners all those years ago the the padres outfield not interested in catching fly balls in this game apparently three to nothing phillies now in the lead uh game two in seattle mariners lost that one three to two back in 2001 and i gotta find the uh the play-by-play here i go you go ahead and talk for a minute big game for east carolina this week big ball game big ball game it is a big ball game you know the, the two-lane game was a big ball game and that was a unfortunately a fall flat on your face game for east carolina and then i feel like memphis was a big game i would not go big ball game territory Mm. 
now that you've won that game, it sets up a big ball game um, against the UCF Knights, and this would be the best win of the Mike Houston era if they could pull it off. I go that trivia answer is Stan Javier. He had a two-run home you? run scoring Mike Cameron. Uh, that is the last player to score a run in a Mariners home game. So there you go. Have that trivia ready for next year when they get back to the playoffs. Let's hope so. Uh, 3 nothing. our score. Buccaneer Music Hall scoreboard presented by Dub Buck. Kyle Schwarber batting for the Phillies in the first inning. All right, let's... Uh, you second s- inning. Sorry, second inning. Uh, what time you got to leave? 5.30. You want to go hoops or football first? Go hoops. Uh, Caleb LeCount. I'm a Caleb LeCount guy. You're a LeCount guy? I'm a LeClown head. What uh, what'd you get from your conversation with him? He is just awesome, man. He's a bundle of energy. Sorry. Just crazy I mean, numbers to look at. Just get out of my it's not- Are we talking ECU basketball or are we talking Mariners baseball? They've played 45 seasons. They've been to the playoffs five times. It's a crazy stat. It is a I'm crazy saying. stat. And this, Moving the, on. The banner section is sad in Safeco <laughs> Field. I Very can, bare. I can guarantee you that. And they will definitely hang a banner for this playoff appearance. Sure. Either way. Yeah, AL wildcard. It's about as barren as ECU's NCAA tournament. Uh, nice segue. So, Caleb account will he be the the next man to take the, the Pirates spark. to the dance? Um, just a, a bundle of energy, man, and and I love that he embraces the fact that he is like a five six point guard that is going to look out of place on a Division one basketball court. But he honestly is just like whatever, man. Like, look, nobody recruited me because I'm small. I did ask him. Hey man, like you scored like thirty five a game in high school. Like, how was that transition to college practice thus far? He basically said at first like it was a little tough, but now he's like it's easy. Oh, he boy. said it's coming easy. So I, I'm, easy. I'm just, uh, I just love his energy. It's not that he's like overconfident or or cocky. He just like he believes in his abilities. He knows that he has to do some stuff differently because of how how he is. You know, I, it was an interesting dynamic because they had the players grouped at a table. And on one side of the table, you had Jaden Walker, the Iowa State transfer, who's 6'5", and he plays point guard. The other side, you had Caleb Account, who's probably, he's listed at 5'8". He's probably more like 5'6", 5'7". And I asked him, I was like, what's it like when you have Jaden Walker guarding you and he's like towering over you? And he's like, no. Like, he's 100% towering over me. Like, I, I have no... Like, he's like, I don't even compare it to him. So he's like, man, I just got to get under him. I got to get in his face. And he just has to be a pest because that's, like, the only way he can stop people is just get in the face, try to get him, you know, from getting to the basket. And then offensively, he just has to use his speed. Javon Small asked him who the toughest guy to guard on the team is. He said Caleb Account because he's just so fast. He was, like, in the scrimmage the other day, I couldn't handle him. So the, the whole point guard situation is going to be interesting because, like, you have... Almost, you know, Jaden Walker told me he's playing on the point. He's six five. You got Javon Small, who said he's scoring a lot more, and we've we've heard that from teammates. Um, Saxby Sunderland said Javon's very hard to guard, and then you got Caleb Account. So you got three point guards who are like all different way, different sizes, different style of players, and and I just don't know how that all is going to play out. But it's fascinating. Yeah, do you think Account gets into the rotation? I mean, not all these guys are yeah. going to play, and we don't know who is going to play. And who's not going to play? And are the returning guys? Is does Brandon Johnson still have a spot? Does you know R.J. Felton make a leap? And I think Javon Small, 
for whatever reason just i guess from what i'm hearing but my own thoughts as well he i think he takes a leap from freshman to sophomore so it's, where do they fit in yeah i mean it sounds like it and and i don't know if it's coach speak or what but riley davis the you know the one of the assistants he was asked what individuals have stood out and you know maybe he he wanted to say it this way but he said basically all the returners have surprised him you know i guess from the standpoint of they didn't play much last year and you know guys like javon small guys like maybe brandon johnson in that mold but they've shown that they can contribute they've bought into the system sounds like javon small is, is really got a chance to score the basketball which we didn't see much last year like yeah. we didn't even see him try to score so like it's tough for us to really know what type of capability he has and you know we know what brandon johnson can do a little bit we know what luigi debo can do but rj felton said he's really bought into the defensive mentality it's just it's kind of uh you know it's just an unknown right now i mean i don't even know if the coaches know at this point how it's all gonna look i'm sure they've got an idea but until they actually start playing somebody else until they have the other scrimmages or other games it's tough to say how this is all going to play out. Because like a guy like Caleb LeCount, I would think it would be very matchup-driven. I think he's going to be able to score. It's just, is he going to hurt you too much defensively at his size in certain games if somebody has a really big point guard that can just score? We've seen some big physical point guards in the American. Yeah. And so, like, how does that dynamic shake out? I think his situation is going to be very matchup-driven. Unless he's just so much of a pest defensively that – no matter what size the other team's guard is, smallest guard, he can he can find a way to, to make it work. He's a full foot shorter than our point guard from a year ago, Tristan Newton. Yeah, I mean he <laughs> he really is. So it's like it's it's uh but if he can score, if he can shoot, you gotta have somebody who can score. Yeah. And if he can generate steals, that's gonna generate points and so, I mean, the, the thing I do like about the roster is there are options. It's not like they, they're all the same player. They, they've got different players in the post. they got guys who are more leapers. they got guys who are more physical. So, like, they've got options, and certainly the best of the best will play. And Mike Schwartz had eight to ten-man rotation today. So, it's, you know, three, four, five guys are going to be left out, and it'll be interesting to see who those guys are. And do they redshirt somebody? I like asking the question, you know, who's your favorite newcomer? What newcomer are you looking forward to seeing? And I uh, asked our basketball guy, Johnny Gardner, at halftime of the ECU game the other night out at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. He said uh, he's keeping an eye, I go, on Baela, Ben, yeah. ben Baela, as uh, his uh, favorite newcomer. Uh, do you have an answer to that one as we sit here? few weeks away um i think baila is probably up there for me i'm actually doing a story on on quentin de and baila and so i'll go both of them as a package deal both of them coming over from france you know they were both very good interviews considering the the fact that you know french is obviously their first language and they've just learned english in the past few years at least fluently and they spoke it well and to do like i can't even imagine trying to do like an interview and share my legitimate thoughts in like spanish or something like that or in a different language so like i give those guys a ton of credit but it's just always interesting talking to those guys you know they have a dream about playing basketball growing up so like they grew up watching the nba they grew up watching american basketball but then to like leave your home country and just show up in the united states a foreign country to to try and live out your dream it's kind of crazy 
what they had to go through. So I think both of them athletically, talent-wise, are as, as talented as anybody on the team. Uh, having Luigi DeBeau, both of them said Luigi has helped a ton because he also speaks French and he's from uh, that part of the world. And so that's helped. And I think it's a situation where those two guys, if they can figure it out and kind of get comfortable and let their athleticism and talent take over, I think they can really help because they can both shoot it. They're both tall enough to play the three. They can play the, f- the four in some lineups. They can play the two. Uh, versatile, defensive-oriented due to their length and athleticism. So I, I like both those guys, and I'm looking forward to see how they gel. All right, some good basketball talk with Steve and Igo here on a Wednesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. The Phillies have opened up now a four... Uh-oh. Soto, has he got this one, Steven? Yeah. Yeah, he's got it. He fought the sun, and he won that battle. But it is four to nothing Phillies as we head to the bottom of the second inning. Blake Snell... Like Blake Sheld. Am I right, Chandler? Boy, Chandler did not like that one. All right. I go. I wanted to look at. Oh, he's leaving. He is leaving the studio. Man. I wanted to look at our top 10 most important players going into the ECU season and who we said and what we think right now. So, my top pick was Keaton Mitchell. I feel very good about that pick, especially coming off last week that he was the most important pirate this year. Your top (laughs) pick was Holton Aylers. Hard to argue the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think both those nail on the head. I went number two, Holt Nailers. You went Noah Henderson. How's Noah played this year? He's played well. You know, I think you always need quality tackle play. I don't think he's been as quite as good as last year. Um, and he's been asked to play a lot of snaps just as far as his, his you know, there have been certain games where I don't think he's been quite 100% and has had to battle through it. Uh, you know, the Bailey Malavik situation has killed them. He basically just is not a part of the team right now. Didn't play a snap this year. So there was one projected tackle. And then that's forced Parker Moore to help out at both tackle spots. So uh hasn't been ideal. But, I, you know, he's done everything that's been asked of him. And he's, he's certainly trying his best. Chandler's back. Chandler, who are your top two on the list? My top two, number one, Holt Nailers. All right. Number two, Keaton Mitchell. All right. Good. All right. Number three, I think we knocked it out of the park. I'm giving myself a little more credit. Steven Igo certainly did with his pick. Isaiah Winstead, love the guy, and he has been huge this year. Jeff Charles said earlier today uh, he has maybe been even better than uh, we thought he could be here. He's been awesome. He has. He really has. I mean, he's. that's the thing. We talk so much about transfers and how many of them actually pan out. So, like, pick transfers on your top ten list is a risk. That was pretty bold of you, Steven, I got to say. I just felt like he was going to play a big role one way or the other, and he has certainly played a big role, and he's been – he's been more than i expected honestly yeah which is you know he had a lot of expectations so that kind of says a lot about what he's done i had malik fleming and i feel good about that pick especially coming off his pick in the last game but also what he's been able to do in special teams so uh he has been an important part of this football team thus far who was your number three my number three is a guy who has been very productive this year ryan jones i had ryan jones at four i feel good about that especially when he went on his tear of what four straight games with a touchdown and uh, i think he'll find the end zone again too also another soul crushing block the other night that led to a good run by keaton mitchell i go your number four was keaton mitchell, keaton mitchell. So take that uh, i put avery jones at number five uh i go you brought it up preseason first time aylers has had a center in back-to-back years so that's a 
an important uh, spot there. You had Ryan Jones. Who's your number five, Chandler? Uh, my number four is Isaiah Winstead, and my number five was Rajay Harris. And Rajay goes down and uh, unfortunately will not be playing the remainder of the year. Um, Avery Jones, Ryan Jones, Rajay, I go. You want me to comment on all three? or Real quick. Yeah, uh, Avery Jones, I had him at number six. I don't know if we're still going down the list. We are. Either way, uh, I thought there's a home run by the Padres. But I thought Avery Jones playing center, much like the tackles. I've got three offensive linemen on my list, and all three have played and started every game. And I think that's been critical to the team's success. Ryan Jones, he's had a solid season. I feel like we we still haven't seen that like huge game that yeah. I feel like he's capable of. And yeah, eight for 100. Touchdown. Yeah, like something like that. Maybe that'll happen at some point. And the other one was Rajay. Rajay, yeah, it's just a tough situation. Just, I didn't have him on my top ten, but he was probably like number eleven and easily could have been up there. Scored a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, in his uh, few games this and year, and they miss him. Next on the list, Jeremy Lewis, and I'll say that I was expecting more from a sack standpoint. Now he has back-to-back games with a sack. He told us Monday his goal was to get one a game. Maybe he's back on that track. Maybe it picks up. And, oh, my God, is it back-to-back, Jack? Josh Bell hits one a mile high, and it is gone. Wow. And it is to 4-2. And Josh Bell unloaded on that one. Majestic shot. All right. Um, Jeremy, maybe getting in the swing of things here, I go. Yeah, and he's been better against the run this year than he was last year, so – I think almost he's turned into a more complete player. He just hasn't had like the pressure, but he's been. I think he's been close. Like, there was one play this past weekend too where he got held. I think it was the first series of the game for Memphis, right in front of the quarterback. No call, and that was the play they hit the little tight end. Nobody covered him. So he's been g- generating pressure all year. The sacks haven't necessarily been there consistently, but I, I do think he's played really good. Um, and he's played the majority of the snaps to that position. So he's definitely he's definitely um, a worthy candidate and why he was number eight on my list as well. Jeremy, number eight on your list. Avery Jones was number six. How about you, Chandler? Uh, number six for me was Malik Fleming. All right, my number seven, and this is a great pick by me because it showed the importance yeah. of a kicker. Owen Daffer, my seventh most important player. I mean, he's... And East Carolina could have a much different record if uh he kicked better this year at least four and two probably five and one right yeah i mean if he if he replicated last year's success and again not all on owen i think the whole operation has been an issue but certainly that has uh bared out to be true all right i go at this point i don't know if this guy's worth uh worthy of being seventh but from what we saw saturday maybe we start to see more of them uh pre-washington the corner yeah, he just he had a, an injury in preseason camp, and he's kind of dealt with that the whole year. But he came in as a very experienced guy, and I basically said whoever played across from Malik Fleming, whether it was a pre Juwan Powell, Demel Hickman, we've seen all those guys now, and I still don't think anybody has really stepped up and and proven to be the full time corner. Now Juwan Powell has certainly gotten the most snaps, but he's proven to be a really good run defender from the boundary at corner. They're still looking for a guy who can consistently cover against the pass. I think a pre might, you know, potentially have an answer there. Um, you know, he did miss a tackle when he gave up a touchdown in the game, but I mean, it's not like you're going to 
you play 65 snaps a corner, you can pick out two or three plays. It doesn't mean you had a bad game. But uh, I thought he showed well for his first significant time for the most part. All right, Chandler, who was your number seven? Number seven for me was C.J. Johnson. And he has yeah. been better than I expected him to be this I don't year. even think we knew if he would – did we do these picks at the end of camp or beginning or what? Uh, middle of camp, I middle. believe. Great call, Chandler. Yeah, because, I mean, at that point, we didn't know for sure how much he would play. Uh, number eight, the worst pick out of anybody, I said Rick DeBrew. So did I. <laughs> I mean, Where is Rick DeBrew? Literally, number eight on my list and number eight on yours, and he started the season basically on the scout team. Yeah. He started the season on the scout team, did discipline issues, and it's just been – he's been working his way out of the doghouse all season. And to his credit, he has consistently gotten more snaps the last few weeks. Um, yeah, I've seen him on the field. Could the rocked-up guy be back? It's just – I mean, the talent is there for him to be a top-ten player. It's just coming at – you know, bringing it all together and coming out and, and doing his thing. And, you know, I wanted to pick one defensive lineman. I didn't know which one to pick. Well, that's, that's exactly why Jeremy was the only guy on my top 10 because I was like, Rick would probably be the guy I would pick. I knew there were some issues going on heading into camp. And so, like, I feel like he had to to turn it around and, and i think he has and he can still become that guy but the whole d-line is is good and yeah. therefore if you're not performing well you're going to get replaced i had noah henderson nine we've talked about him you had xavier smith how about Xavier's season so far steven i think he's been solid he's, he's been really good against the run i think the whole pass defense from linebackers to safeties to corners at times has lacked um as far as pass coverage you know x he's kind of dealt with a knee injury the past two years so like he's i don't want to say this affected his past coverage a little bit but i think he he's he's had to deal with that and that's hamstrung him a little bit but overall you look at his metrics and and his numbers and his tackling numbers he's tackled really well he's been really stout against the run and i think he's had a very solid season overall he's been certainly better you know than he was last year when he was asked to play multiple positions so um He's been solid. This is a cool brother-on-brother matchup. Very strange uh, history being made. First brother-versus-brother matchup, uh, pitcher versus hitter. The NOLA boys going at it. Uh, Reminds me of Will Smith facing Will Smith in the NLCS last year. Igo's got to go. We'll wrap it up. Who you got number nine? Uh, Number nine is a guy that I thought would start, but Justin Red's been getting the most consistent snaps there at left tackle. Parker Moore was my number nine. Moore. Uh, and you had uh, Red as your number 10, I guess. Yeah, and Parker Moore's played is still a significant amount this year, and so he's definitely worthy of a pick. And, All don't, right. and don't feel bad, Clip. I had, for my number 10, I had Owen Daffer. Yeah, we had some misses. We had some hits on our most important players list. If we had to redo this, names we would see up there, certainly uh, Julius Wood, uh, certainly Juwan Powell would probably make a list, yeah. I go. Uh, who else? that we didn't mention um i mean we could have i think miles another miles barry maybe a d lineman elijah morris Morris, uh, uh, mims mims has been showing up i mean you've had a lot of guys there's just so many guys who play defensively it's almost tough to include them on the list all right axel says when will we see more of jack powers i'm gonna guess saturday night that's when we usually see him during ec yeah jack powers He's playing about 15, 20 snaps a game. He made a play the other night. Uh, he had a sack. Had a because sack. we were celebrating in the stands there, Chandler. Yeah. Powers. Jack Powers. Jack 
Powers. Powers. Jack Powers. All right, let's get to the picks. I go. You were three and two last week, sixteen and eighteen overall. I am fifteen and nineteen against the spread on the year. That is not good. Need a big week this week. We'll start with UCF as a five point favorite against ECU. I just I, I was gonna pick ECU and then I turned on some UCF game tape on Monday and I'm going Knights. I think Knights win by a touchdown. I too am taking UCF minus the five. Cincinnati a three point road favorite at SMU. Give me the Natty all day. I will almost looks like they're wanting you to take Cincinnati, but I will take them. Tulane minus seven against Memphis at home. Tulane at home tigers i'm on the tigers chandler is on the tigers clemson i feel like memphis is either gonna win that game outright or get absolutely flattened i keep uh picking against tulane too and it's burning me clemson minus 13 and a half against undefeated syracuse in clemson yeah clemson i don't want to pick everything you got are you taking oregon or ucla Where's that game at? At Oregon. Oregon, Oregon minus six. Oregon. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are we really believing in UCLA? Yeah, could, no, I've taken Oregon. Syracuse, I'm saying I'll take Cuse. All right, cool. I'll take Cuse. To, uh, they've played them tight there yeah, before I mean, a couple times. Yeah, they can times. certainly stay within 13. Um, Brandon says, have we talked about the C.J. Johnson catch on the last scoring drive in the fourth quarter? We talked about it on the post game. There are people out there who say, what are you looking at? That was a clear catch. I thought it was a clear, incomplete pass. The ball bounced. I've never, I haven't even looked at the replay yet, so I don't know. All right. Well, there you go. Catch. It looked the one that they didn't look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were sitting in here. We were like, it looked incomplete to me, right? No, we all were like, all right, well, that's coming back. And then they didn't even look at it. Yeah. We got a playoff, so. Catch. All right. uh, Steven, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We'll uh, check you out on hoistthecolors.net. Shirley Rhodes, let's open up the. Booty bag. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. All right, what are we giving away on this fine Wednesday? Oh, let's see. Decisions, decisions. How about $15 gift card to AJ McMurphy's? Oh, man, sounds like a winner. Looking forward to enjoying some AJ's food tonight. Might go with the classic chicken cheesesteak, might go with some wings. Huh. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I know I'm hungry, but I don't know what I'm feeling right buffalo now. Buffalo chicken wrap. Ah, buffalo chicken wrap. The buffalo chicken wrap is to die for. That might be the move. To die for, what, Steve and I got. What call are you looking for? 10. Call 10. 317-1250. We're back with more on Pirate Radio Live after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. To get the business services that are right for your business today, contact the team of experienced local bankers at First Bank. The team includes bankers you can trust like Ashley Capps, Lee Watson, Bonner Latham, Chris Richards, Josh Hooten, and Heath Nesbitt. First Bank, together with their customers, they're creating a world where individuals and communities thrive. First Bank on Arlington Boulevard in Greenville. 
And congratulations to Phil Edwards of Washington. Picked up a $15 gift card courtesy of A.J. McMurphy's. The best place in Greenville to unwind after work and have fun is A.J.'s. They have daily food and drink specials and an awesome patio, perfect for some outdoor dining. There's something for everyone every weeknight, including sports trivia with our very own Clip Rock. And they have live music every Friday and Saturday with no cover and brunch every Sunday. Make today an AJ's day. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. All righty. Earlier today, I had a conversation with Blake Prohl, former East Carolina wide receiver, now with the Vikings and, uh, we will run that interview on Thursday's show, and Blake is uh, waiting to see whether he clears waivers and will be added back to the Vikings practice squad. So he was very excited uh, when we talked to him earlier today, either going to be picked up by another team or added back to the Vikings practice squad. But he is uh, healthy and uh, happy and singing and doing it all. And uh, we'll air that interview coming up on uh, Thursday's edition of Pirate Radio Live. Uh, Shirley, we'll talk a lot of football on Thursday. Uh, talk some hoops with Igo a moment ago. Let's hear uh, from Mike Schwartz earlier today uh, as he met with the media for ECU Basketball Media Day, his first as the head coach of the Pirates. Thank you guys for being here. Um, yeah, pre- this is awesome. Appreciate you guys all being here. And uh, I'll just say this, just real briefly. Really excited right now about this season. We uh, had our 16th practice yesterday. Um, we play 20 days from today. We have our opener versus Mercer. So uh, I think we still got 20 days left to continue to improve and keep building on what we're trying to do. But uh, outside of that, we're excited uh, for the season and uh, excited for today. So if anyone has any questions, I'd love to anything you guys want. Coach, I know you said the, the conference media day, one of the things you are really kind of measuring on early is, you know, defensive success or executing that. How do you feel like that plan has gone? Like, is your defensive philosophy being instilled pretty good? Yeah, Stephen, it is, and, and we, we feel good about it. Uh, you know, we again, we're 16 practices in. We've had a 40-minute scrimmage. We'll have a few more of those where we have a chance to, you know, compete against each other. But it's difficult because of depth. Obviously, you don't have the depth. Anytime you do an inter-squad scrimmage, you know, we're really going to know in 20 days when we can line up and have 16 guys on one side, and we can use that depth. But with that being said, when we are able in those scrimmages to play the up-tempo defense that we want to, pressure the ball the way we want to, play in the full court the way we want to, yeah, I think we feel pretty good about where it's going. The guys, most importantly, Stephen, the buy-in. The guys have really bought into this defensive system. and uh, But we got a long way to go to get where we want to be. But, yes, uh, I feel like the buy-in's been good and we're happy with where we're at. Coach, is that one of the byproducts of when you take over a new program and get such a young team, but if you can get them on the same page defensively, that that can turn into offense and you don't need you know the great scores yet, that kind of thing. And it's all about recruiting players down the line, but this first year, you got to play great D, right? Yeah, you know, and I think, Brian, we want to have the great scores and great players from day one. We'd love to have it. But you know what? Whether it's year one, year two, three, four, and beyond, whenever it is, I think defense is always going to be at the foundation, at least for our program. That's what we want it to be. So, uh, and, and you said something that's key, and Brian, I do believe this. I do believe strong defense can lead to offense. I don't necessarily think always great offense or great scoring leads to strong defense. It can happen, and there's different things that allow that to happen. But I, I, I directly feel that strong defense, creating turnovers, disrupting another team's offense can lead directly to points for your team. 
So I've always had that philosophy. We had that philosophy at Tennessee, and you know we'll try and implement that here. But yeah, to go with your point, I think at, at all times defense has to be at the core of what we're doing. Hey, coach, um, when you have a couple of players coming from some bigger programs, say like Quinn from Tennessee and Jaden from Iowa State, who maybe weren't asked to shoulder a lot of the scoring, does that when they come on a team like this, who I think returning you know fewer than 15 points, does that kind of allow them to take that next step when something they might not be asked to do in the past they could do so here yeah i think that's a great point i think it's i think it's really twofold to that i think number one they're excited about that opportunity we as a coaching staff obviously see something that we feel they can do more than maybe they did production wise wherever they were before iowa state and tennessee and the two that you spoke about but that being said also this is the first time that they've been asked to shoulder that kind of load. This is the first time they've had that responsibility on them. And I talk to a lot, excuse me, I talk to them a lot about that, that as much as you have a new responsibility and you feel like you like, you know, what you're being asked to do, you've never been asked to do this, at least not for a while. You know, maybe Quentin back at prep school and back in France and Jaden maybe back when he was in high school in Atlanta. But his first two years at Iowa State, he wasn't asked to be very productive on the offensive side. He had moments that were better than others. Quinton didn't ever have that opportunity at Tennessee really to put it in the books. So even though they're transfers and they have a little bit of experience, they're being asked, like you said, to kind of shoulder a new role, which really makes them inexperienced in that role. So they're gonna go through the ebb and flow and the ups and downs of that too. But from an excitement standpoint, I think there's no doubt that's one of the reasons they were excited to be here. Mike, you're in a business that ultimately is measured by wins and losses, as you know. Uh, you spend your time motivating the guys, try to be successful on the court, off the court. Just curious, what motivates you to try and be successful to have this team turn the corner and, and have success on the court? How, how do you motivate yourself? Well, I mean, I would probably just, top of my head, three things popped to mind as you were asking that question. And number one is just competitive spirit. I think this is, you know, I mean, I can't say in coaching in general, I would imagine most coaches have a very high competitive spirit. And, and I believe that, that that's something that's always driven me and whether it was a player, whether it's in coaching as a young coach, and also whether it's just in life, that's just what it is. That's just part of my DNA. I think number two is the really the joy and what you want to get out of seeing our players, our student athletes be successful. You know, I've had a chance to be in it 24 years this is my 24th season as a coach. I had a chance to be in college and play in college and play in high school. So the winning, the competing, the success that you get when, with, when you win as a team, whether it just be good seasons, individual games, championship seasons, it's a special, memorable thing. And it's something that we really want to share with our guys here as our student athletes. We want them to experience that. And then the last piece is we're here at ECU. I want this community. I want When you talk about motivation, there's nothing I would want more than to see the ECU, Greenville, the, the community of ECU, the alumni, everybody that's a pirate or pirate nation experience what it is to win and win big and have that feeling. So I think there's a lot of answers to that question, but just competitive spirit, sharing that winning feeling or trying to build that winning feeling for our student athletes. And then as important as any, this university and this community. Coach, I think we talk, or we ask about Winston Tabs every time we see you, so might as well keep it going. Uh, any update on his? Yeah, I know you said he might be cleared for contact. Has that happened yet? Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're right on cue with that. He actually had his first contact practice yesterday, and that does not mean that he will be cleared to play in inner squad scrimmages or cleared to play when we play Mercer, uh, you know, on the 8th. But 
He has been cleared for the first time in this process, which was a great accomplishment for him. So much credit uh, to our training staff and strength and conditioning staff. I mean, I think Nate, our trainer, is as good as there is in the country, and he has worked so diligently with Winston, and Winston's done incredible in his commitment to, to trying to get back to the court. And we talked about this at AAC Media Day. There's a mental component and a physical component. And, but to see him back on the court a couple days, it was actually two days ago, to see him back on the court in five-on-five play and as excited as he was, as Nate was, the coaching staff was, what was really neat was to see his teammates, how when we put him on and he got on the court the first time, basically practice stopped and they went over and hugged him and, and really kind of just patted him and on the shoulder and said, just happy to have him back. But he's getting there. He has not been cleared for game participation yet. Uh, but he did practice for the first time, and, and we were excited about it. Coach, last time we got to talk to you, you were still in like strength and conditioning mode, and now three weeks of the season, obviously you've got to have a bunch of stuff in place to be playing games. So what do you do in the next three weeks to be ready for that tip? Just continue to continue. You know, we're going to stay in strength and conditioning mode. I think some of our guys have started to get some extra lifting in during the week on their own. I think that's something that with a young team, with the team that is – Forget just the experience part. We're young. We know we have a lot of freshmen, so I think they need that. And so they've done that. So we're going to stay in that strength and conditioning mode for the next three weeks. The actual volume of it may decrease a little bit in terms of the length of practice or how much we do because you're starting to add excuse me, you're starting to add preparation to that now. So now practices can't, you know, you have to implement the time of preparation as you're getting ready for your games in the season. But uh, with that being said, the, the main thing is we're just going to continue to try and fine-tune some of those details that we have been putting in since the summer. And there's things that we worked on the very beginning of June that we're still working on right now. And we're not going to stop working on them in November, December, January, February. We'll stay on it. But you hope that the execution piece, fine-tuning those things, how they apply to your next opponent, that's where you're really, your focus starts to turn to as you get closer to season. All right, there is some of Mike Schwartz from earlier today, ECU Basketball Media Day, and I'm ready. I'm excited to go to games. I am not expecting much at all. I don't even know what I'm expecting. I don't. We haven't seen these guys on the court, so I'm keeping my expectations very low. So maybe they could be surpassed. And you know, we, as you could tell through the Media Day audio that we just ran, and Pirates have picked last in the AAC this year, both in women's and men's basketball. And a lot of things that Mike Schwartz talks about is, you know, we're still in that, you know, we're in that situation of trying to mess with each other and play with each other and and try to get to know each other and and click on all cylinders. What if this is a smokescreen? What if the Pirates? See, this is what I'm not going to do. You can what if do the it, Pirates? I'm not going to do this mess. Are actually no. not like that. No. And the Pirates come out no. just firing from all cylinders. No. Nah. Nah. I, that was just a that was just a small thought that I had today mm. listening to the audio earlier. But if you want to do that to yourself, go ahead. I'm not going to do that to myself. You know what? And I go in every year even with Dooley. I did this with Lebo as a, you know, little kid. Did it with Mac. A little a, kid. When Lebo was here in 2011 and 12? Yeah. yeah, I was 10 years old. Well, more like Twelve. You were like fourteen in twenty twelve, right? Uh, ten, in 2010, 2011, I was twelve. All right, little boy, you're a little teeny little boy. Pirates are gonna be good this year. <laughs> we got Darius Moro. We got we got Paris Roberts Campbell. We got 
fight you. All right. So what do you do every year? Just high hopes that we'll have some sort of product on the court. Look, Chandler, I've been able to beat you down. You used to be this like you were always smiling, always upbeat, always excited, always optimistic. And then you were around me every day for the last few years. And now you are negative, pessimistic. And I know that. And you know what? I'm trying to get out of that by saying that Mike Schwartz is going to have these guys ready to go this season. I'm telling you not to think that way. I know. To be I negative. Know. I know. I'm being, I'm going to be negative. Pirates are going to suck. They're going to lose just about every single ball game. Yes. We're going to go into that first game against Mercer, I believe. It's going to be a dogfight. Whoever we play. It's going to be a dogfight. Pirates are going to win, but they're going to scratch out a win. It's going to be ugly. And now We're going to hate So it. you're being facetious in saying that. If they scratch out a win against Mercer, are you going to be upset about it? Yeah. Are you? Okay. Well, your expectations, either mine are way off or yours are way off. Mine are way off. You think you can roll out the ball against anybody with these guys we've never seen play and just blow somebody out? I'm going to say your expectations are too high, but they're your expectations. They're not mine. The expectations are like opinions, which are like buttholes have been low they have been low but as we inch closer as i always do i'm trying to find a way a positive why who's good who's gonna be the but i feel like it's better and this is the facts it's better to 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 stay with those expectations those low expectations yes and let the season play out for itself so when it whenever the pirates do underperform which we expect no it's not going to hurt as bad it's not underperforming it's performing as we i think they will which is they're going to struggle the worst case scenario about me feeling this way is i'm way off and the pirates are better than i think they are and it'll make for a fun season in Menji's coliseum that's all i'm saying for you to have high expectations my question is why who's the guy who's taking them to the promised land give me some names uh caleb LeCount. <laughs> see <laughs> no maybe so i mean maybe some of these new guys maybe like a debounjay or you know <laughs> are you gonna say it like that is it debounjay do we ever debounjay maybe but you go debounjay debounjay i don't know and that i mean I, these guys a lot of these guys are new you guys you got guys like uh the felt belt uh, uh rj felton but look I, I don't need east carolina to be great for me to enjoy the season i'm gonna enjoy it anyway for what it's it is basketball yeah uh, that's what i'm used to we're gonna throw some legal bets out there yeah we're gonna drive up to virginia put our bets in come back go to the game have a good time do some three-point celebrations get rowdy uh watch alongs with the new tattoo the new arm sleeve tattoos that we have and folks can you not wait to go to mingy's and scream at referees i mean oh, it's, come a on. Tradition. it's the best yeah like it's gonna I be mean, can you not wait to go to mingy's and be almost courtside can you not wait to that almost uh that that clear charge call is called a block and everybody just loses it nothing brings fans more together than screaming at the same referee it's a real sense of unity that we don't have a lot in our country anymore. Are you ready for that Saturday night game where the Pirates come off a pretty good win? And, and it's you're, packed. And it's packed. You're playing like a Temple or you're playing like a Memphis. And your expectations got a little too high because of the start previous game. Start to tingle a little bit. Yeah. Your expectations, expectations start to tingle a little bit. And you get in the Menjis just rowdy, ready to go. And they get down 14-3. to three. And all of a sudden, Mike Schwartz is calling a timeout with you know, 16 
twenty left on the first half clock. Why didn't he wait for the media? These are the kinds of things we'll be talking about That's up right. in section two thirteen. Uh, I just I'm I'm going to be there for the upset this year, and you don't know who it's going to be against. There's always one of those home upsets. But we they're had gonna, it last year. They're going to knock one of them off uh, this year. So I'm ready for it all, man. The the thrill that is, the agony that is, ECU basketball. It's here, folks. All right, let's you like it or not. Take a break. We'll come back and wrap up a Wednesday edition of Pirate Radio Live. We will be back with you after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of Pirate Radio Live. Mike Houston with a sick hoodie. He's showing off at his press conference. Uh, we will see you Thursday, 3 o'clock. We'll talk to Troy D. will be here, Kevin Monroe, Blake Prohl, former Pirate, current Viking. Also, the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau, and touchdown Tony Collins. Big football show on tap for Thursday at 3 o'clock, plus comments from the coordinators, Blake Carroll and Donnie Kirkpatrick. We'll talk to you then for Shirley Rhodes, Chan Man, the crew here at Pirate Radio. I'm Cliff Brock. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.